Hello, I am Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1, and this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, and tonight I have a special guest, Spartan Grown 420, or Spartan Grown as it says on your screen there, uh, well known around the cannabis community, and of course, uh, a rec grower, are you still, is it medical or rec that you guys are now? I don't want to actually yeah actually we're we're both so uh we were granted our we already are a medical grower we're just waiting for a license um they gave us the bill so we as soon as we pay it we're wreck also we get both at mincanic i i had the privilege of meeting spartan grown i would say it was about five what about five years now ago yep at least something yep. like that and uh it's been an honor to watch you go through your journey. You know, you've come a long, long, long way, brother, since uh, that day at the hash bash when we were partaking and talking seeds that day. And it's, uh, man, you know, I love watching other people prosper and talking about people prospering. You have fucking nailed that right on the head. So, you know, I, again, I, I honestly, from my bottom of my heart, proud of you fucking, you know, and, and to have the chance to be weekly with you on the panel and it just have knowledge to, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, it's, it's great. It really is. Well, so thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. And it's, it just comes from like, I'm obviously, I'm not a perfect person. And one of the things that I know about myself is that I have like an addictive personality. Like I'll hold on to like the littlest thing, like video games for a long period of my early 20s it was like i wanted i was so competitive i want to be the best and and so it, it consumed a lot of my life and then i had to take a step back and be like wait a minute this is i gotta change make a change and, and one of the things was you know when i found cannabis as far as just even just growing cannabis because fun fact i grew cannabis before i smoked cannabis but uh just the growing really? of it yeah 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 but the, just the growing of it, it was like my new addiction. So I wanted to know everything about it. So that's why, you know, I'll come up with all these fun facts is because it was just like, that was my new addiction. But I was, it was like, I could let myself go because it was a positive thing in my life. It wasn't like a negative thing. It wasn't, you know, causing pain or causing strife. It was actually bettering myself. So it was just like, that was my, it was just cool like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I framed it in my mind. And I just was able to just, Go nuts with it. <laughs> I, I I am seriously surprised that you grew before. So it, that tells me that uh, it it did challenge you more intellectually than it did. Uh, you had more, you know, interest in it and intellectually than you did actually partaking in it. But I'm I'm I think it's great that you dove in and started using it as well and finding the the medical side of it because i know you've talked several times about uh helping people with cancer with uh you know through your journey and everything i don't want to get too far ahead though you know what i mean uh but uh yeah that's fucking awesome so uh let's get there i guess uh where parts have you always been a, a michigan native i guess with a, if you're going to carry a name like spartan grown i guess you're going to be 100 percent a michigan native well, so, uh, surprise can you tell us roughly without, uh, you know, doing yourself revealing too much, uh, roughly what parts of Michigan you're from? 
Oh, I don't care. I'll review. I'll reveal it all. But I was born in Michigan, uh, and I didn't live here my whole life. Though I did live a few years of my life in Texas, San Antonio, Texas. But um, uh, yeah, I was born in Howell, Michigan, <laughs> and uh, I lived there my early life, and then moved to uh, Stockbridge when I was really young, and that's where I went through all my school. Stockbridge High School was. Uh, you know, kindergarten all the way through high school. And then uh, after that, I went to school at Lansing Community College. I was accepted to Michigan State, you know, my favorite of all, but uh, accepted there. I had good enough grades, obviously. And, uh, but the, the price was just not attainable for me. And um, my, I had an older sister, so she, she uh, was already going to college. So there's already that. So my parents weren't really going to helped me in that respect. So I just did it myself. And I was kind of a proud young person too. So I was like, no, I don't need any help. I'm just going to do it myself. And my mom and dad were divorced when I was in high school. So I kind of had that mentality of the head of household kind of working man mentality that early on anyway, because of that. So uh, yeah, I just worked and stayed home, helped my mom and worked and tried to put myself through school. Well, I ended up going through, you know, I went to LCC, uh, and, and basically I went there long enough to realize that whatever degree I picked, I didn't, I didn't have an interest in, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't for me. And so I wasted a lot of time in college. I, I, I went to LCC. I went to, for uh, CAD, computer aided design. And then when we moved to San Antonio, uh, my mom moved down there and I followed her down with my two brothers and uh, they were younger. And I went to school down there, San Antonio community college there for uh, computer repair and uh, realized about a year into that, that that was something that I'd be chasing my tail the whole time because of that industry changes so quickly that it just as soon as you learn something, it's already out of date. So I was like, no, nah, I don't want this. And then uh, so then I came back to Michigan because I was offered uh, an old job where I was working at a place, uh, a factory here in town or in Chelsea at the time before I moved to Texas and um, they had called me when I was living in Texas after about two years. And they basically long story short said, we don't, we can't really find anybody to replace you. What would it take for, what do we have to pay you to come back? So I kind of could write my own ticket to come back. And I did that. So when I did that, I, I went to the final college I went to, which was in Jackson, the Jackson community college for just like something. But you know, life happens, you know, I had met my wife and uh, she had gotten pregnant and then that was the end of college for, this guy and so then i was stuck in a factory job working in jackson at the time and uh just you know dreading life day after day going to the factory but just doing you know just like the, the classic midwest story you know you, you do your time and you do your time in the in the factory and that's what makes i you tried the factory thing for a minute and that is miserable you know it, there's no challenge to the mind there i think the whole time i'm in there i'm like there's just gotta and i hate the thought of automation getting in there you know what i mean but it just somebody it just it just wasn't for me i had i've got to at least be outside you know or doing something or trying to inside work for me it just wasn't for me so i can understand your misery and working on a factory yeah job. and those factories didn't even have so much as a window to the outside you know you didn't know if it was day you didn't know if it was night i was working long hours 12 hour shifts sometimes 18 hour shifts and you know you'd go on dark and you, when you left it was dark you never even saw the sun i was they don't you, give two shits about nothing but production exactly factory. exactly and so you know probably the last two to three years before i quit that that job 
all I did was I had a, a headset that looked like like a work uh, ear protection, you know, muffle muffles and stuff, but it had a wireless headset in it. And I just would listen to podcasts about growing the whole time. The, re- the whole reason I got interested in, in growing cannabis specifically was I had a cousin that was doing it and I would go over for, you know, they would have mud bogs and stuff like that. And I'd go hang out with them and we'd talk to them and they just smoke around me and everything. It never really bothered me, but I never really, well, the only, you know, the only exposure I had to it at that time was everything they told you in school, which is obviously all the wrong things. And, um, when I got, you know, set straight by my cousin and they, and they said, well, you know, even if you didn't want to smoke it, you could at least grow it and, you know, help people or, or whatever. You can actually make a little bit of cash this way if you wanted to. And I was like, wow, I'm interested. So that's what got me interested. And I started listening about podcasts. And then when I grew my first plant and I saw like the change, like you said, I've helped different patients. I was under the caregiver program at the time. And when I saw, I think I grew like a year maybe a little bit more before I even tried to start smoking it. But it got to the point that there's two things that the, the pressure for me to try it was, was for one was that I felt kind of like a hack to be able to, you know, offer anything to anybody and, and never tried it myself. You understand? You know, it's like a cook coming out and never eating anything, you know, that they made. It's just weird. So there was that weirdness about it to me. And then, and I would rely, but, but the good thing, the positive out of that was I relied solely on, you know, my patients to what they said was the outcome, whether it was good or bad, I had to, because I, my input wasn't there. So it made me tailor my growing style towards medicinal value, you know, because I had to go by there, what they said was good for them. So that was kind of cool. But then, um, but then the other thing was, was I saw it help people, you know, I saw it helping people and I was like, you know, I've got to try this, you know, I have aches and pains I have, you know, and uh, so that's when I started trying and I just couldn't get high. I would take, you know, smoke con- entire joints. I would, uh, my buddy had dab, you know, uh, a rig so I could take dabs, nothing. Finally, one time I ate a, uh, you know, I think it was a 150 or 200 milligram gummy, which was a lot, f- you know, for somebody who'd never been high. And, uh, for some reason, that's when my endocannabinoid system decided to kick in or whatever. And dude, I was like almost tripping high, but after that I could just smoke and it was nor it was like unlocked. So I was, uh, grateful for that. But at the same time, I learned a valuable lesson about edibles. (laughs) It's like a little at a time, man, but I don't know, maybe that, that high dose unlocked it. I don't know, but I legit tried probably for a month to get high on, uh, uh, you know, on different like waxes and everything i was just trying it all and but then once the edible that's what unlocked it for me so that was cool nice so uh it's nice that uh you found it in intellectually challenging it's awesome but it, you know things when you take on things just as a you know on an you know, intellectual level there excuse me i got some terrible cotton mouth <clears throat> you can get bored with it i mean and you can suck up facts and suck up facts and suck up facts and suck up facts, but it, it isn't until, you know, there's something it changes, something on another level that has to re-spark your interest in it for you to start kind of wanting to take in new facts. And I'm, I think it's great that uh, you found that secondary reason in helping people. And, you know, that right in itself, I find that anything you're doing in life, 
whatever you're doing, if it isn't pulling you ahead, you know what I mean? If you aren't waking up and yearning to do it, or if even if it's a hobby, you know, if you get off work and you can't wait to go do whatever that hobby is, you're fucking wasting your time. You need to find whatever that is and, you know, do that shit. So uh, (laughs) I'm glad that you found that secondary reason in the cannabis and the medical reason in helping people because that in itself, those smiles when, you know, you are helping somebody or they come back with that story, you know, this, this screen right here really helped my back. That's the carried in front of the horse right there. These people in chat right here, they're the fucking carrot in front of the horse. They're what, for me, you know, because I did, to a point, start to get bored with growing. I'm not, you know, it's always been a passion and everything. But once I started taking on, you know, like you say, patience and stuff, for me, that was a whole new carrot right there, man. I fucking, I've been chasing that shit ever since. So I can understand, and I'm so glad you found that secondary reason. Now, other than, you know, just medicating for yourself, but you found that uh, the love for helping others as well. Yeah, I'm not even going to lie. When it was it was surreal to me until it affected me personally as far as in my own family. Like, for some reason, I'd seen it work before in other patients as far as I've, I kind of specialize when it comes to really serious diseases like cancer. I go, like, I'm always going to, you know, we'll call it RSO so people understand what I'm talking about, but FICO, you know, the full extract cannabis oil. And I really feel like that the whole plant medicine just concentrated is um, just so medicinal, man, in, in so many ways. I've, I've seen it in my own life, but um, in others, too. And when my, you know, I'd, I'd, heal, I'd helped heal two people that had different types of cancers. One was throat. One was, um, what was the other one? That was my sister. She had it in her woman parts, we'll say. But anyhow, <laughs> both are cancer free today. But when my uncle got his diagnosis, it was a, um, how do they rank cannabis or how do they rank cancers? There's a something, there's a number system, but he was number four as how far along he was with it. And it was pancreatic cancer, which is like a death sentence. They, they gave him the two week or two or four weeks. I can't remember. They basically said you have about, you know, get your affairs to order. You have X amount of time and you, and you're done because he had so many other issues, he's a heart patient, everything else. So they did a lot of things weren't even on the table that they couldn't do like operation. No, they can't do that. A lot of other things. I just told them and anybody out there listening, if, if, if you're a caregiver too, one of the, I a hundred percent believe that one of the most important things when it comes to helping people through these things is having a positive attitude. You know, people think that's stupid or, or whatever, but if, Man, if you go in there with a, this is what I said to my uncle. He made a Facebook post, and this is when I still had Facebook. And uh, he made a Facebook post just basically notifying all his friends and family of, of what the diagnosis was or whatever. And he said, you know, but I, I think I'm going to beat it. I'm, you know, I'm just asking for your prayers. And, and my comment was, well, you're absolutely going to beat it. I have your cure right here. The, the, we just need you to, to go through with it. That's all we need you to do. And when you come at somebody like that, like it's like there's no denying it it gives them so much hope that they actually push harder. You know what I mean? And so, and I'm not saying that I didn't believe what I was saying. I a hundred percent believed everything I was saying, but you got to get that across to the patient. You know what I mean? You got to give them that hope because I fully believe that the whole reason like a placebo effect works is it's, it's all in the mind. 
you know, our body has this great way of healing itself. When you, you know, if you get a cut, as long as you keep that shit clean, you know what I mean? Generally it's going to heal itself. It doesn't need medicine. So I think that it's within us to heal ourselves of most things. We just need a little push in that direction. And then, um, I mean, it's scientifically proven that the, the medicine inside the, the RSO and the cannabis oil itself, you know, anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, just so many things and uh, no detriment along with it. So, but when he finally got his uh, diagnosis that he was cancer free, when the doctors were telling him he was going to be dead in a few weeks, uh, you know, I broke down and cried right there. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to say I didn't. So, uh, but it was even though I knew that the medicine worked to, to be up against something that was like the modern medicine said, nah, we don't have anything for you. You're going to die. And you're like, nah, I got something for you. And, and turn well, I'm, I, I'll be on the record to say, I'm not a big fan of medicine and doctors. Uh, I believe the pharmaceutical bullshit is just witchcraft bullshit, to be honest with you. Once you get on one medication, then your body becomes de- deficient in another way. So they hand you out another card, and then that makes you deficient another way. Oh, now you can't sleep. Well, we'll give you that one on top of this. And realistically, it's just because your body is deficient in one way or another. Before you start taking any kind of pharmaceuticals, I would suggest to anybody have some blood work done and find out if you're def- vitamin deficient in any kind of way first. And then supplement, you know, try supplementing your nutrients first. So you're just, you're like a super plant yourself. If you're deficient in nutrients, you know, you're going to be showing problems. So that's the same thing at gardening. And, you know, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I, I think the and same. To prove your point a little bit further there, uh, there's tons of studies in um, the medical field that prove your point and optimistic. Uh, there's, you know, 90% of patients that, you know, believe they're going to come out of this before they go in, believe that they're going to be okay. They're going to recover, you know, 90% of the time recover the people that go in thinking, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. Well, chances are more than, more than likely it, it's not going to work for them. You know what I mean? And not only will they, they've already got it in their head and what you have in your head will already shut down things in your body. You know what I mean? It's, it's the mastermind. So yeah, the way you feel and the way you approach things, hundred percent, stay positive, negative energy in any form, stress, anxiety, that shit kills. A hundred percent. And that's, that's why I don't really laugh or, or, or really look down on people that do things that people might think that, Hey, there's no scientific, there's no science behind that. You know, as long as it's not something that's hurting your plants, like you're not taking a flame torch to your plant or something that obviously that's going to hurt your plant. But, you know, the crystals or the the gnomes, I have a gnome in, in my uh, veg tent, but I truly believe that whatever the intent is for the gardener, that's going to come through anyway. Along these same lines as what you're saying with a positive attitude, I think we affect our plants with our attitudes also. If you come in there, you know, raging out, you're going to likely have plants that aren't looking too happy but if you come in there with a positive attitude i think you usually get positive results i mean in my case that's that's what i see so if somebody's got you know some crystals in there i don't care what it is the people that ground it you know uh, i don't know if you've seen the grounding of plants but uh you know there's all kinds of things out there where people will say oh that's just hocus pocus but if the gardener believe it's making believes that it's making a difference i think it's going to make a difference so i think there's still an argument for those kinds of things as long as you're not you know doing something detrimental 
physically hurting the plant. I'm not, uh, I don't know nothing about putting the crystals in your, with your plants, but I can see it. You know, I do believe a little bit in the power of like precious stones carrying, you know, you know, uh, uh, let's I I have tiger there for different purposes and you know different stones for different reasons. I actually have a sack with an arm's reach over there that I keep. You know I tug around a lot. You know I like to carry around a black opal in my pocket just for you know certain reasons. They say it's good for uh, strength and whatnot. Silly shit. You know maybe silly shit. There's but at the know. same time I think with the power of the mind it makes that stuff almost true. You know what I mean? It's like the placebo effect. It's like taking a capsule that you believe is going to solve your problem. I think it's, the, you know, I think it affects you the same way, maybe at a slight way where there's not a huge measurable difference, but I think there's still, even if it's just putting your mind at ease and bringing your stress level down throughout the day, it's, it's you know what I'm saying? It's medicinal. So I don't give a damn what people say as far, you know, I'm only 41 years old, but I feel so old sometimes as far as my soul. And it's just like, I don't know. Everybody's egos get in their way a lot. And it's just like, I just want to yell sometimes. Just drop your ego. Who cares If this person's happy doing what they're doing? Let them be happy. Why, why can't they be happy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's so quick to judge and so quick to shit on everybody else. That's why I really like the community we've kind of come together with, with the Michigan bros grow show. Everybody seems to be pretty positive and uh, Absolutely. That's, that's the kind of people I like to surround myself with. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You've got to be surround yourself with fucking good people. A, a mastermind group, if you've ever read or listened to Napoleon Hill shit. You've got to have that mastermind group. You, you That's the best way in life to succeed is figure out what you like and you love and the direction that you want to go in and figure out your what you have to add to that situation. And then you surround people with your negativities, you know, your flaws, you know, if you need, if I'm interested in doing this show and I can't produce or edit videos, well, God damn it, I need to fucking find me an editor to put in my, you know, circle. If I'm having troubles, you know, coming up with ideas, well, then I need a producer to help, you know, getting that going and, you know, so yeah. you need to know when to assemble that, you know, circle and, you know, find your flaws and help people, you know, and not only that is uh, different perspectives uh, on on shit, you know, to be able to go to your circle with their different strengths and perspectives and go, hey, this is my problem. And a lot of times, most people, when they get hit that wall, that's all they need is either themselves to step back for a few minutes, toke on that uh, medication or whatever get a fresh breath and go back with a fresh perspective or get somebody else in on the problem that is, you know, new to the whole thing. That's usually the person that comes in and goes, bam, right there. You know what I mean? They haven't stared at the problem for six hours and they're kind of blurry to the situation. Yeah. You do have to surround yourself with a great group of people. And uh, I have to agree 100%. I, you know, I have been lucky enough to be, thrown into that group you know and i i thank my stars every week i get to join everybody on sundays and get to say good morning to everybody in chat i i'm not as frequent in chat as i used to life goes crazy you're a super busy guy i don't even know how you get to do anything you do you do as much as you're on doing your shows and your gardening and shit and i'm you know super grateful you were able to dig down and uh 
do that marathon today and come hang out with me, man. This is fucking cool. So yeah. I don't even know where we where we've left off on the Spartan well, story, guys. Yeah, let me think. So I'm growing. Oh, my uncle. He got my uncle through. Uh, so then this whole time that I'm growing and I'm helping people as a caregiver, which I'm lo- I'm falling in love with. You know what I mean? I'm just loving it. And I'm, I'm researching, oh, this strain or this terpene is good for this ailment and blah, blah, blah. I'm getting into it. And then uh, I've also was really up on the laws, like as the laws were coming out and they're writing different rules and regulations. And the reason for that was, was I always in the back of my head, it was a dream to to have my own commercial grow or something like that. And um, so I wanted to see what, you know, I was going to have to do to get that to happen. And then as I was seeing the laws come out and the way that they were, they were coming out was like, okay, you're going to have serious money to be able to make this work for real. So that didn't stop me. I just said, well, screw it. If you can't beat them, join them. So I'm going to align align myself with, uh, you know, somebody who can raise the funds to do this. And maybe I can, and at the same time, I've never at the point I had never grown at a super large scale. So I had a lot to learn. So in my opinion, kind of like surrounding yourself with, you know, people like we we're just talking about. Another key to that is to surround yourself with people that um, do you look up to surround yourself to people that are doing the things that you want to do. I wanted to maybe have a commercial grow someday. So let me surround myself with those people. You know what I mean? And so at that time, I was in the mindset that, okay, now I'm going to try to make myself hireable for a grow. So what do I have to do? Well, I got to make sure my Instagram is a little bit more updated than once a week, like my lazy ass was doing. So I was doing, okay, at least once to twice a week, let's get pictures up. My Instagram started growing like crazy. I uh, always enjoyed the dude grow show. That was the first podcast that I really started listening or YouTube show that I started listening to a lot. And I followed it ever since I was probably five, six years now. I don't know. But they had a website where people would put in their grow questions. And me as a novice grower still at that time, I just got a kick out of saying, I have no idea what the answer to this is, but I'm going to Google it. And I Google answered probably 15 to 20 questions and started getting my answers were getting read on the show. Like, hey, look at this guy, what he knows. And it made me feel so good. You know what I mean? Getting pulled out of a nobody and my name's getting mentioned on the dude grow show. I'm like, wow, that's fucking awesome. Which still, I, I, to this day, I'm a little kid, kid about that. But uh, uh, so I was in that process of just trying to help these other growers out. I was helping myself out because all these problems that I wasn't running into, I was still kind of virtually running into them and trying to solve them for people. So if I did, you know what I mean, run into it, I kind of had an answer and knew how to solve it. So I don't know. It's just I guess it's still helping people now that I think about it as I'm saying it. But uh, at the same time, it's helping me. And I got I grew so much as a grower at that point that uh, and at work when I was working, I was still working at the factory. I was listening to podcasts. So I was just getting all this knowledge. I, I would go to events. One of my favorite things to do. And that's the thing that hurts me the most in the heart about this <laughs> virus is I just can't go out and, and hang out with everybody like people in chat here and everybody. And well, I so, yeah, I mean, I, I just love that. So uh, but I made connections. You know, in this industry, I think more than any is just networking, man, and and getting to know people in the industry. I was actually I was wearing this hat, this actual DGC hat at one of the cups. I think it was the second cup in Michigan and uh, Michigan Matt saw it and we started talking and we got a good and I used to catch him at all the cups. We'd run into each other. I saw him at the regenerative conference at Grow Green and we became pretty good friends. And uh, 
he ended up being the COO of Minton Canico. So when they were looking for a gardener, that was the first one they called up there. And so I went up there, interviewed, and was super impressed with uh, Steven, the owner. I mean, I knew he was a grower because I, was, I went in there with the attitude that, all right, I'm going to quiz these guys. They're interviewing with me. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to quiz these guys because if their growth style isn't the same as mine as far as the outlook on, you know, the plant first and we're not poisoning people, just the basics, then I can't grow like that. You know what I mean? I can't be Green Peak Innovation. Screw those guys. I interviewed with them, but then when I realized what they were doing, I, I just told them to fuck off in an email. But uh, Stephen and Michigan Matt both super impressed me, and I knew that there's a lot to learn from those guys, and I'm still to this day learning a lot from those guys. So I just fucking grabbed my balls and cashed out my 401k that I'd gotten from my factory job that I've been putting in forever and um, took a huge pay cut. <laughs> And I have no benefits right now because it's a startup company. They're, hope, they're looking into benefits now. But uh, so I took a really good size pay cut. But with that 401k money that I cashed out, I was able to pay off almost all my debt. I only own my house right now. And I could pay that off with the money that I've got in the bank account. But I'm just leaving it in the bank account for now until this shit blows over. And I know everything's good and we're not in a crazy recession. So that's pretty much gets me up to present day i think you know now i'm working at mitten canico when i worked there though i had to drop caregivers so that fucking sucked because in the state and their infinite wisdom they thought yeah these people that are experienced growers we don't want them to be fucking providing medicine to our fucking patients because that makes a lot of sense so uh yeah so i can't be a caregiver now because i'm i work at a commercial grow if i worked at a dispensary which I could see where there would be a direct conflict where like, oh, a grower at home and working at a dispensary might be offering their product to the dispensary. No, you can go ahead and be a caregiver if you work at a dispensary, just not at a grow. I don't understand their reasoning. Yeah, I remember the uh, episode that uh, you were on the DWC fucking, uh, I was like so happy because man, there's nothing better than, you know, if you can't, if you're not succeeding to the level that you want, but if you see like one of your friends or somebody, you know, you talk chat with a lot succeed, I was like, hell yeah, man, I know that guy, you know what I mean? That's fucking awesome. And it was, it just seemed to fucking steamroll since then. I mean, you're everywhere now dropping that knowledge i mean you're well well prepared it sounds like you knew you were destined to step into the role before you stepped into the role you know what i mean but i like to say that i don't i try not to do anything too half-assed i, I try to i'm one of those guys that if, if i'm really gonna invest my time or energy into something i'm gonna fucking do it to the best of my ability you know what i mean i mean i'm sure there's some stuff that i do half-ass but uh the major important things i'm i'm in it if I'm not in it with my heart, then it's not going to, you know, why am I wasting my time with it? So, um, yeah. So if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. I want to do it the best. I'm just, my, my father always put that in my head. I think growing up, like, you know, just be the best at what you do. And so that's what I always try. It's always a competitive thing. You know what I mean? Always. Yeah. My dad instilled like a similar thing in me. He said, I swear to God, this is how he said it. And exactly what he said, I think it was like right around seven when he, we were talking work. He said, boy, I don't give a shit if you ended up fucking scrubbing toilets. If you scrub that fucking toilet to the best ability, you won't be fucking scrubbing toilets for long. I can tell you that. So fucking make sure whatever you're doing, you do it 100%. You won't, if you're not happy there, you will move up. And uh, exactly. taking that work ethic 
ethic my whole life. In fact, usually when I do take on a job or, you know, even if it's something like moving something, okay, I've got to move, you know, something from A to B, I'll start from the back of the pile or whatever has to be moved the furthest and, you know, start the furthest away and work closer to me. So the whole time it's just, you know, gets easier and easier, closer and closer. Start with the hardship first, you know, and then, you know, the rest, of it, it just gets to be gravy. That's the way. I've always kind of approached things myself. Yeah, my dad used to always tell me his saying was, uh, if you're not going to do a job right, it's not worth doing at all. <laughs> That's how he would tell me. And one time he, we had like a, our house and garage were separated. There was a little space in between. And somebody had just leveled that land out and then uh, poured concrete, like a concrete slab right there. Well, it gotten super old and cracks in it. And we'd always get like grass and stuff to grow up in those cracks. And one time he'd asked me to, weed that get that all out of there we do that every year i hated that job and i think he really was just having us do it to build character because i don't understand why you couldn't just fucking leave it but uh he said that to me one time when he I was like oh i don't want to do this and he's and i was like doing a half-assed job going real slow and he's like you know if you're not going to do the job right you shouldn't do it at all i said good then i'm not going to do it at all he goes i'll kick your ass so <laughs> so i still had to do the job and i had to do it right so there's no there's no not doing it right when my dad was around <laughs> kept me honest and kept me working hard so that it's not much people can throw at me in a workplace environment to really be like oh man that's too much you know it's like nah i, I can get through this <laughs> he was a military guy he went he's from he's a vietnam vet so uh He's a pretty tough guy. <laughs> Sound like a pretty good guy to work with. That's for sure. I want to, I'd like to work with you. <laughs> you know, if you got to pick somebody to work with, you sound like a helpful guy to take on a task with. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm one of those guys that I'll just keep at it till it's done. And then I'll take my break. You know, if, if they tell me at a job that, Hey, we get a break every two hours. I'd be like, how about, I, can I skip on my breaks and take them all at the end? <laughs> you know, that's not one of those guys. Like, let me just fucking stay at it. Because it seems like when I stop and come back to it, there's always that lag and takes so much longer to get going again. If I just stay at it and knock it out, then I'll take a, take it easy for a longer period of time and be good. I've always been an advocate for the like four tens versus you know uh, five eights work weeks because you lose a lot of time in that setup. I mean, production in that extra couple hours in that day is huge versus. You know, like you're just like you're saying that that momentum when you're going that extra two hours can fucking go a long, long way in production. And then you get the extra three days. You know, if you if the goal is 40 hours, then you get the three day weekend to hang out or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or if need be, you're behind in production, then you still have that extra day to uh, equal things back out. That's why how I worked. It was a, an industrial bakery, believe it or not. It doesn't sound like it's a tough job, but oh my God, dude, it's so hot in there. And the production rate was two loaves of bread per second is what we were putting out. And uh, yeah, so we worked 12-hour days. Uh, it was a regular shift. And if you wanted overtime, you do 18-hour days. And uh, But we worked three days a week, so you got four days off. So that was kind of cool made it really nice to be a grower because you're four days off you could get caught up on all your gardening work and then the other three days you just just watered and that's all you did because you had a long day at work so uh is uh working in full-time gardening like that is the, is it the dream that we all hope or is it the 
the mess we all have, you know, have dreamed of, you know what I mean? I, it sounds great and it is a huge dream, but it, when you get into the arena, are you like, <laughs> holy shit, this is a lot of fucking work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, yeah, is it still the dream once you've made it to that level, I guess is the question. It is, it is, but it's like any other job, you know, you have to find a job where you like the people you work with. I think that's more important than even the job that you're doing, to be honest with you. And I just got so lucky with the people that I'm working with right now. I mean, when you can work right alongside the owner of the whole fucking thing, man, and he's working just as hard as you or harder. I've that's got tons cool. of respect for people like that. You know, I actually told this story a couple of episodes ago. Uh, I used to be a carpenter, okay? And I worked for the Mott family. Do you know who the Motts are? Harding, no, Mott, Charles Mott. Yeah, no, but the hospital, the Mott, are, they, are they named after the Mott Children's Hospital? Yeah, there's they they do all kinds of things actually. There's Mott College, uh, down towards Genesee. That's what they're mainly known for is the Mott College. But uh, tons of respect for that guy. And I've worked with had the privilege of working with people, a lot of people in that stature, working for people of that stature, and it just blows my mind. And it gives nothing but. I have tons of respect for somebody that will get in the hole or you know do what you're doing, and then go be you know millionaire or whatever you got to be a whatever you know i got tons of respect for people like that that don't let money separate the difference between you or you know whatever and uh, shout out to michigan matt uh i didn't underestimate him but uh i guess uh i thought he might have been blown a little bit of smoke when i first initially had contact with him uh wait i I don't know if he remembers, but I remember he called me uh, when he got here in Michigan. I believe it was from Colorado. He was here heading from Colorado. And he talked to me and we were talking about um, you know, grabbing a bunch of dank strains and shit. And he just laid it all on the line for me. He was like, yeah, I'm just fresh here. I've got, I'm going to fucking set this up. And he told me about what he was going on when he, you know, last day he left and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, I've heard this story a fucking few times, and then, bam, there he is, fucking doing, you know, damn near exactly what he said he was doing, gonna do, and, uh, you know, I love people that see, that's, you gotta have that, you initially have to see it in your head, what you want, I mean, you don't build a, you don't fucking order a bunch of lumber and say, I'm gonna buy, fucking build a house until you've seen that house in your head, or it's, Somebody has, you know, committed it to paper. There's some kind of goal there, but you have to see the dream to work at it. And a lot of people, in my opinion, uh, lack that creativity. I believe that's what holds them back is the creativity or lack there. And I'm, you know, you have, like I said, you have to see the dream in your head. It has to be that carrot. And uh, once you've seen it in your head, it will draw you to it. <laughs> and uh, like I said, props to him. He's seen the dream and, uh, you know, I did like I'm not saying I underestimated him, but I'm I'm glad to see him, you know, nail that shit. So Oh man, um, and he's like that dude he I'm so impressed with Michigan Matt because like he's the numbers guy, you know what I mean? He can he can tell me I can say, Hey Matt, what what's the biggest harvest we've had? What's the biggest table that we've had and what strain was it? And you know, he's like boom boom rattle off and if he can't rattle it off, he's got it all recorded somewhere and he can give me that answer. And it's just like, wow, this dude is just like head, 
like head and tails above me with uh, record keeping. And it's just the world it reflects in our grows and, and how good everything turns out for us. It seems, you know, he's got everything tracked and uh, I'm just super, super <laughs> impressed with the guy, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was a good conversation too. And he definitely uh, blew me away with what he was talking. I just didn't think uh, we were there yet, but man, he crammed it through and he was right on time and uh, like mad respect for that. You know what I'm saying? So hell yeah. Yeah. And, and Steven, the owner, I mean, uh, it's funny because the story is just so cool. Like, you know, when I was talking about like going to the events and how networking is so important, I think in this industry, and the reason for that is, is like growers are, especially growers that have grown for a while, are always kind of distrustful. You know what I mean? Because it's always been a kind of a gray area sometimes with some of the stuff that you're doing. So you got to be trusted. Well, I'd like to think you have to be somewhat of a uh, introvert to be a grower, or, you know, to, to be at it somewhat. You're going to be here quite a bit. You got to be wanting to stay home a lot. And uh, yeah, it, it's when it, it is a security issue or it can be depending on where you live. So, yeah. yeah so, so for you to make that connection and be a trusted person beforehand helps you so goddamn much to get you through doors that would normally not even begin to open for you. And for example, with this story I was going to go through, uh, the, you know, the biggest event in, ca- in cannabis as far as commercial cannabis goes I would have to argue is the BizCon in, in Las Vegas, the one that they have in Las Vegas, because it's just huge and everybody's there. And um, on their way, I believe it was on their way back from MJ BizCon, they they were seated next to each other on the plane, Matt and Steven. And that's how they made that connection. And, I, and they, before the plane landed, they agreed to work together and have that place. Yeah, I think Steven had already started building the place, but... Uh, They'd already made a deal, I think, before the plane landed that uh, Matt was going to be the COO. So <laughs> I thought that was a cool story, like, you know, something like you'd see on a movie or something. But uh, I thought that was funny. But you know, like I said, it's got to be that you got to make that connection. You got to put yourself out there. And when you're saying what you thought hold people back, I think what holds people back most in life in general is just fear, fear of trying to take that step or, you know, everybody's their own worst critic. I know I, I have myself. I mean, you know, you get all these doubts creeping up. Oh, I could never do that. I can never just say, fuck it and do it because you're not doing it now. So if you don't take that chance to do it, you'll never do it. So what do you have to lose? You're not doing it now. Might as well try to do it at least try to do your dream and, and fail instead of just sitting back saying, I can never do that. I mean, if you dream, you only have one life to live, right? As far as I know, maybe there's more, but uh, go for it. That's what I got to say. Just go for it. Get over that fear. The worst that you're going to hear is no. I, I applied for so many cannabis jobs, so many. I went, I actually went and got interviews at different places, but I went in the, I went in with the idea of, no, no, I'm interviewing these guys. I want to match my attitude with them. And that's when I found, you know, Matt and Steven, it just was a bonus that it was right in my backyard. Basically I can get to work in like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. Well, I got to agree about the fear thing. I mean, you got to try, you know, you'll never know until you try. And then even at that, it's, you should learn something, get back up and try again. That's, you know, this show up until now has been that I've stumbled and fallen. I've had a couple bad episodes had a couple failed nights, but, uh, I'm, you know, I've said every episode in the beginning or after a fail that, you know, 
as long as somebody tunes in, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep at this. And this started off to be, you know, I kind of thought about it, you know, as a hobby. I, I'm going to do it every night, 1130. And then a couple of days set in, I'm like, wow, every night, 1130, huh? <laughs> you know, it's quite the commitment there. Uh, and then I thought to myself, yeah, every night, 1130, I'm going to fucking do this. You know, it's totally possible, even if I'm on the road. My phone's got a hot spot, you know, I could at least, you know, set it up and talk shit for a minute and, uh, you know, close it back down. But then people started fucking, you know, hanging out, you know, uh, every night checking in. And some of them fucking, God bless their hearts, fucking do the marathon and have went the whole, you know. And that in itself is, you know, sparked a whole new something in me. It's really made me want to dig down and into myself and ask more of myself so you know and that would have never happened if not for putting that first first foot forward and not only that you know like i said the great people the show everybody you know putting that sport behind it has really made me want to fucking step it up and you know you're never going to know that you're never going to feel that feeling unless you get out there and fucking you know push that shit so i, I agree old hard to yeah, yeah I mean, dreams. don't don't wait. Yeah, that's and that's another. Never, it, you don't feel old. Yeah, I heard you say you feel old as well, but you know that's just an again. That's your that's your psyche there, brother. That we're all talking about. You need to get that nasty placebo shit out of your head and take another pill because you know. Yeah, it's it's totally well, your attitude, and I know yeah, you, it's I, hard to overlook aches and pains, but you know it's still, you know. I, I have no problems in saying you'll if you're ever around me or live, you know, near me or whatever, there's times where you'll see me completely act a fool, <laughs> act stupid and do some fucking silly, shitty, you know, fun. I, I like to have fun. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to put that out there and enjoy life. And, you know, whatever, you gotta, you gotta do it. Yeah, we yeah. gotta live. We gotta live. We only got so much time on this earth to live. But I was saying I'm more like an old soul. Not so much. I wasn't speaking so much on at a like a physical level, like aches and pains. Yeah, I still my back, especially, usually hurts me quite a bit. But um, I was thinking more like I've always felt my whole life, like whatever my age is, I've felt like I've matured. Not not so much as far. As, it's hard for me to describe what I'm trying to say. Not so much in a physical sense, but I, I felt like that. I have my maturity level has always been higher than like my peers of the same age. Like when I was in high school and I was like trying to be the dad basically <laughs> of my two bro younger brothers. Cause my father was out of the picture. And uh, so I kind of always had that responsible role, even my jobs. I, I would get like, if there was a union in, in any of the places, I usually was the union steward because nobody else wanted to do it. And, and I took it serious and I actually helped people. And there I am helping people. <laughs> I got stuff. I'm too high. I'm starting to fucking repeat myself. But I always like strove in, in, in like different jobs. I would like, I would never be satisfied just knowing one job. I'd be like, all right, well, I know this job. But why can't I do this one over there? That one over there, that one over there. And so I always strove to try to learn like the whole process so that I could, because when you, when you understand the whole process, it makes the one job a lot easier when you know, you know what your end product's supposed to be and everything so 
I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I'm rambling now that I'm so fucking high. I've been smoking. Well, it's you're completely lucky to find a career path or you know, kind of full spectrum, like you say. Uh, you find this plant has you know rewarded you in so many levels. You know, you get to help people. You get to grow your own great cannabis. You grow cannabis for other people. You get to spread your knowledge, helping people, you know, on shows, dropping, you know, knowledge and help that way. So, you know, it's helping you in so many levels. Are you getting, you, I mean, talk about squeezing the juice out of something, brother. I mean, I can't see how you could get any more love out of this plant, really. I mean, you're eating it, you're talking it, you're fucking... I mean, Mr. Cannabis, that's what your should name should fucking be after hearing this fucking story. I mean, I'm so glad that you've been able to fucking turn, you know, a, a path that you weren't too happy in to a completely satisfying uh, career path and life path. You know, it's, it's not yeah, too it's many very... people that are that lucky, brother, uh, for sure. Yeah, I think I thank my lucky stars all the time because of it. I mean, I get to... It's so rewarding to, I mean, I tell myself everything happens for a reason. You know, why did I have to slave away in the factories for so long? Well, I think it made me appreciate what I have now so much more. If I were, if I would have started growing when I was in high school and never stopped and always maybe just grew and, and, and never even set foot into a factory, I wouldn't even understand that misery. You know what I mean? I wouldn't understand that day in, day out. I mean, I, I worked one factory job. I worked six months straight and I had one day off. That one day was Easter Sunday. So, I mean, I'm no stranger to hard work and what it'll do, but it's, it's like, a, a, I think it's almost like a mind trick that, uh, that this society's kind of put on us. I don't, as soon as I passed out my 401k, it, I was so worried about it. You know what I mean? Taking that step to, to work at a grow for much less money and cashing out my 401k. But when I cashed out that 401k and paid off most of my bills and took a, took that job and it, it's just like the stress just melted away that I didn't even know was there. You know what I mean? I didn't even realize what all of that was doing to me at the time until I got out of it. And you know, like you were saying when you, you know, the power of having a group of growers so you could call on somebody else to look at the situation with a fresh set of eyes. I think it's mostly just like an ego thing. Like our own ego is in our way. And we can't see these things. You need somebody outside of it. Just like when you get, say, say here's a perfect example. When somebody gets into a relationship, say, say you got into a relationship with somebody and uh, I saw that it was like a dangerous relationship, but you're like madly in love. You in the situation, you know, your ego is kind of blinding you from the situation, but me standing outside of the situation, I don't have your ego in front of me and I can see it more clearly. I think that's kind of what we see with growers. You know, I don't want to, you know, me, I have a bug in my room. No, that can't be it. It's got to be something else where another grower just look in there and say, yeah, there's, there's a bug bite right there. You must have a bug in your room. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's one of those situations. Is that it's very nice to have some friends that are trusted that you can get from outside of a situation to help push you in these directions to maybe get over your fears from trying to make that step because man, just the, just the quality of life improvement you would think it would be opposite taking a less paying job and everything, but the, the quality of life that I've enjoyed since has just been amazing. I thought so, uh, you know, I mean, there's just something to, to when you spend your whole day around plants, you know, I go to work. Yes. 
but I'm around plants and they're, you know, releasing oxygen into the air instead of what God knows what chemicals I've breathed my whole life in, in these factories. You know, kerosene was a big one for a long time. We were washing parts in. So I'm sure the environment I'm in now is far better than uh, anything I've had in, in a factory. And it's just on the psyche to be able to see the green and the waving leaves and the, and the breeze. And it's just so peaceful. You don't get that in a factory when you get loud, clanky noises and machines running. It's just uh, you're a machine. You're not a living thing. So it's, it's, it's a real blessing in those ways. I love the story and the analogy. I just wish on, uh, we could change one word on it. Nothing this interview. And, and both times you've kind of said it, it's kind of, it hasn't been negative, but uh, it seems like it could be negative in your mind. Uh, is the word ego. Um, in my opinion, uh, ego is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I mean, it can be most certainly a bad thing, but it, it's most certainly uh, necessary. There's nothing wrong with uh, patting, on, patting yourself on the back after a good uh, chore well done or giving yourself props. It isn't until ego is overinflated, and uh, people tend to do that with just about anything in their lives. But ego, the ego itself uh, isn't a bad thing. It isn't until I, you did express it right and it, when you said it gets it's inflated, because that that is the problem in in and itself is it being inflated. But ego itself, uh, in my opinion, isn't bad. It's necessary. You. It's a, just a part of, if you didn't pat yourself on the back and go, hey, boy, I can do this, you know, it's, that's kind of shitty, you know what I'm saying? So you can't take that away. Everybody needs ego. Go ahead and blast yourself, you know, just maybe not blast yourself in front of others, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with in a closet or in front of a mirror fucking you going, I'm the best motherfucker in the world. You know what I mean? But to walk out of your house and go rock around, and go, I'm the best motherfucker in the world. Well, that's not so cool of an attitude. But uh, sometimes yeah, that would make me up ego in the mirror. Uh, like I said, can be necessary. I just so I just wish you in the analogy, you could, you know, I guess by saying overinflated, you did say it correctly. But like I said, in both ways, it just seemed like a negative turn. You know what I'm saying? So, so what I was, I was referring to ego in the aspect of ego as a noun. It's a thing. It's, it's something we all have, we all possess. Uh, I think society's put a negative connotation just on the word ego. When you say ego, uh, for, you know, people are going to say, oh, he means ego, man, egomaniac or, or, you know, an overinflated ego, things like that. I think it's like a, 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 just a societal thing. But when I say ego, what I'm referring to is just that, the, the noun, the ego, our, our sense of self, I guess, um, our sense of self-worth. And, and uh, most people's ego is that, that they are self-deprecating. Like most people are their worst own enemies. And that can get in your way too. You know what I mean? When you're doing a good job and you're not giving yourself a pat on the back and you're telling yourself you're doing a terrible job. You know what I mean? Things like right, that. Right, right. So ego can be bad and it can be good, but... Uh, I just think that I try to tell myself to remove my ego as much as possible from the situation when I'm trying to figure stuff out. It's really hard to do and the best oh, yeah. way to get somebody, like you said, to get somebody outside of the situation to be able to, uh, to do that for you. 
Yeah, for sure. That's you know, yeah. it's always best for perspective there. But I, I, yeah, think, I just, I wasn't you know picking on you or nothing. I just, no, uh, no, I get, I get, I, I just think it was a misunderstanding of of how we each. That's the thing is we all use words differently. You know perception. I mean? We're right back to perception, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I think like, like cannabis, I always called that a good ego killer for me. For, it's for, for, it opens up my mind and it gets me thinking in ways, um, I don't even want to say self-critical as much, but uh, it, it makes me think and it make, my, make myself more um, responsible for my actions maybe, or to make me think how others may um, feel more than over myself. It just always opens up new areas of thinking for me. Um, my favorite thing, honestly, to do, and this is something I shared with Subcool and pr probably yourself. Uh, I saw a lot of your videos, you open up with music, and that's what really drew me to Subcool to begin with, was music and cannabis is probably my f one of my favorite all-time activities ever. I sit here right in front of this computer screen we're looking through now and just play music videos or just regular, just music itself and just smoke and smoke and smoke and just vibe to the music. And I just love finding new music that I've never heard of before. And uh, it's funny because a lot of the music that you, we share in chat, you'll, you'll put a link in there and I'll just laugh. Cause I'm like, man, I listened to that like two weeks ago. That was so good, you know, or, and uh, so that's cool. And so uh, let's talk about that name. Let's, let's throw out some names there. We don't okay. have to, you know. Okay. So the one that I was thinking of when I was telling that story was, uh, Oh, in hell, I'll be in good company. I thought that oh, was it. Uh, God damn it. Can't think of the name oh. of the band. <laughs> no, I'm I'm drawn for it too. It'll come. Uh, damn it. Oh, God damn it. I can't even think. Of it. It sucks. <laughs> I listened to some so many of them, and that sucks because they are a great band. Yeah, they, they're, they're funny. They got some really funny songs too. Um, also, uh, that rap group out of uh, Florida. Uh, Oh, Stubbs is one of the guys because he's uh amputee, and then uh, oh, what's the name of that? Too much. We, I'm drawn right there with you, too. Damn this high, is... man. But oh, I got a story. Okay, I'm high enough to tell you this. Uh, is what me and uh, uh, Abolish will see on the frugal forest when we start getting into the woo woos, like the I don't know, spiritual or whatever. I swear to you, this is a true story. And I uh, promised I would tell this to you on air for our interview. So this was, I don't know, three, four nights ago. I was down here listening to music, high as fuck, as usual. And I was harvesting. Oh, I got to put this out because I'm not going to hit this. And I was harvesting. It was uh, Blue Cough. Blue Cough was gifted to me by Subcool. I've told this story a million times. Um, this particular blue cough was just a monster, man. She's just huge. So, and I have a lot of plants coming down. So I'm leaf stripping a lot of the fan leaves off to try to reduce moisture in my dry room because I'm going to be packing them in there. And this was just a monster. So I'm really trying to get fan leaves off. At the time I was listening uh, to uh, some playlists that was just going through recommending new songs for me and everything. At the same time, I don't know if you ever heard me talk. Did you ever hear, I think it might've been in Frugal Force. It might not have been on the bro show. Me talk about how I can, I think I can um, have a connection with the plants and sometimes they give me hints on how to fix them and stuff. And like, there's a psychic connection kind of a deal. So in the same way that the, the, the plants give me 
will say, talk to me. It's not, I don't get words from plants. I just get ideas. I get flashes of ideas in my head and that I got the same thing. And I swear to God to you, I'm just going to translate it into words instead of telling you like, basically what happened was I'm sitting there and I swear to God, the presence of sub cool was with me. I've never met sub. I've talked to him many times I've, uh, through email and DMS and stuff like that. So I considered him a friend and I was so hoping to meet him, but I knew because of his health, I probably wouldn't. Anyhow, it was no doubt in my mind that he was with me in, in his presence, but I, I'm not saying I saw him or anything, but I just felt him there. And right at that moment, a, a new song came on my playlist. And at the same time, before I even listened, the song starts out, it just fucking caught me just like oh damn that's a great opening man he's just going for it and i just love the song and uh but it's a mellow song and it's basically uh kind of saying like hey the sun's shining and and you're okay so just be happy and so i got this overwhelming feeling that with sub there he said look this is my recommendation for your song tell eagle listen tell the tell this to eagle let 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 you let my buddy eagle listen to this song and uh it's going to help them. So I wanted to pass off the, the name of the song for you to listen to. It's uh, JJ Gray and Mofro is the name of the artist. And the name of the song was The Sun is Shining Down. Okay. I listened, I'm going to check it out. I listened to that song on repeat for two hours. It took me two hours to strip that plant. And uh, I don't know. It was like a touching experience for me. Uh it's we a had other, cool ass story. We had other like mind conversations, if that makes sense. We shared yeah. ideas, and uh, I was super energized afterwards and, and really happy for that presence. After that, I, I searched this JJ Gray and Mofro and listened to about five or six of their other songs and hated all of them. So it's weird that this one song just spoke to me on that level, but it's a great song. In fact, I shared it with Red, I think, in chat today just because. I've been listening to it because it makes like, if I feel depressed, I put that song on. It makes me feel better. So uh, I don't know, man, give it a try. At least uh, that's something sub wanted you to hear. I'm going to fucking check it out because uh, there's obviously something to that. And uh, yeah, I believe in that kind of thing. I really do. I will take this shit out. That's fucking, that's cool. That's a really cool story. Uh, we were talking uh, nutrient shootouts, nailed that shit. It was the dead south that we were talking about. Even though I still can't remember the other one, even though that's a good, cool ass band. Uh, yeah, they're the the song where they're saying how Mary Jane, they're saying how cannabis is their medicine, and uh, uh huh, that song that's gonna kill me. Yeah, I, I tried to I'm tried to look. Oh, it's right here in front of me. Odd Family Squad or Odd Squad Family. Odd Squad Family. Yes. Yeah. There's like two or three of their songs I really like. They got some really good, really good stuff. Check out another one. Uh, I'm going to start playing because I got to start. Uh, if I'm going to play music, I'm going to have to start looking for some uncopyrighted shit or less copyrighted shit. And another good, really good one along the Dead South lines is uh, Gangster Grass. If you haven't uh, heard some, I think I shared one of their songs one time in chat. I'm almost positive of it. But man, they it's fucking cool. I'm Ted telling you. Uh, the one I like the most is a song. It says uh, it's named uh, Never Go Home. And it's uh, they've got two guys. One's playing a banjo and one's kind of uh, 
strumming a guitar and they got a are they sitting on the porch there's tons of videos they've got all kinds of tunes do they have the spoon lady no, the no, that's a different one. The, yeah, the, yeah, that's that, another that cool one there. Yeah, that lady's badass. Yeah, they have a cool, but no, Gangster Grass is they. It's like they have bluegrass. What was the song? Uh, you Never said? Go Home is the good one, and that will lead you to a bunch of other cool tunes. Really, they have a lot of really good ones. So there's a they've got that bluegrass part of it, and then there's two guys that uh, rap along with it. So like they do some country to it and they'll just drop back and play a little bit and then they'll fucking come in and rap over top of it. It's super fucking cool music. And another good one Definitely along that it. lines is uh Steven Seagulls. Is uh <laughs> do you know Seagal. who I'm do you know oh. who I'm talking about? No, but do they look like Steven Seagull? Because that's gonna be hilarious. No, oh my god, we gotta talk about these guys a little bit. These guys are fucking like out of Ireland or something like that. It's like a five man. It's all acoustic, you know, and they do like heavy metal covers like Thunderstruck and they do a couple of ACDC tunes and Iron Maiden covers and shit. And uh, they're fucking badass. I mean, these guys rock the fucking banjo. There's one guy in a banjo. There's one guy. uh Push, what's that fucking thing you push back and forth and play? Yep, he's rocking. A, he's a big guy, too, and he's kind of funny. And then you got one guy playing a big old fucking bass, and there's another guy. He's just got, like, a fucking snare drum, and he's beating something with his feet. But these guys fucking rock out. And uh, the funny thing about it is the big guy with the fucking accordion always comes in in, like, some fucking kind of weird way. And the uh, Metallica video... Uh, uh, nothing else matters. He comes in like on a rowboat and fucking just plays it, starts walking through the water. And he just, everybody else is on the beach fucking playing along. And he's just got, and he wears like this, always at least this big coonskin hat and shit. They fucking, they've got a ton of great, they were actually just came to Michigan not too long ago. And I'm telling you right now, if you're, if you like that line of uh, the Dead South, You'll love Steven and Seagulls. I'm telling you I'll, that right now. They've got that. such a, a niche to them, you know, and it's fucking super cool. And they rock out so many different tunes. And, uh, yeah, you'll go on a listening spree on that. That might just be your next. You know right. where I picked that shit up? No. Tattoo shop. <laughs> shit you not, man. Every time I go into, like, a tattoo shop, man, they're fucking always playing something full blast. And this in particular shop, man, he kept got a wide range of music fucking he listens to. He could be like, oh. That's badass, man. But, but yeah, <laughs> I picked up a few uh, different things out of there that I kind of like. Now, did you check out? range of myself. Did you go check ahead. out Mendo Dope? Mendo Dope's new song, the Integrity Farm song that they did? They I just did, dropped it. What would you think I of that? Did. It was good. I like yeah. that shit. I, I love Mendo. Pretty catchy, though. man. I like. Did you see that South Park episode that that kind of referenced in that song, the Tecrity? Oh, it's it's funny, I man. I've seen so they posted something about a South Park clip, but I didn't. Yeah, that's where they got the inspiration. Together. Yeah, that's the inspiration. That's oh, what, right. Integrity Farms was the name of a, a weed farm in South South Park. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh. I actually got my dog that fucking uh, bubble. I showed him a few nights ago while I was like struggling to get shit going. I swear to God, I'm like, all right, I'm fucking, I need to do something. And I was playing. It came on. I knew he would do it. This dog, I shit you not, Spartan. He can be in a dead sleep. 
I don't care where we are driving down the road or he can just, I can be walking by him. He can be fucking legs up in the air and I can just fucking few bars of this song and he would just, he jumps up and he just like, as soon as it gets going, he howls along with it. Uh, it's Highway 101. And as it gets going, oh, 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 he fucking right there with it the whole time. He's st- and then as it starts rapping along, he starts kind of, I don't know if he's trying to match the rap or what, but then right back to, oh, he's, oh, I actually sent a video one time to Mendo Dope, but I don't know if they ever got it and watched it or what, but he's fucking it. Every time it never fucking fails that song. He loves it. Anything else? It's out there, lay there, and fucking sleep the whole time. That Mendo Dope 101. Nuts. It's fucking hilarious. I'll have to show I'll have to do a bit recording one time and shoot you that shit and then DM one time. You'll fucking crack it. Yeah, man. I gotta see that. I like uh I'm, I'm, what I like about Mendo Dope is I, I don't like every single one of their songs. I like a lot of their songs, but what I like about them is how they collab with a bunch of other people, and it like opens me up to other people's music. Like I'm really, I really like a lot of Trevor Lyons stuff too. Kind of like that Rastafarian kind of Jamaican vibe he's got going on. I, I really like it. He's in that new DJ song too, Ignite. So. Have you ever listened to DJ Ignite stuff? Uh, Pen Pal, and he's got a bunch of good tunes. He was he fell out of that click as well. With some uh, good uh, marijuana music there, cannabis music. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the uh, <laughs> lyrics in the pen pal there. Like, yeah, I, I love cannabis you. music. Me too. I mean, but I, I remember Subcool is the one that turned me on to Clutch, and I saw in one of your latest episodes. I don't remember which exact one it was that you're doing a shit talking. That you brought up Clutch again. How you really liked him? Electric Worry is probably my favorite. I turned Sub on to Clutch. Oh, did you? I fucking, yeah. yeah, I fucking, we were in chat one night, kind of like I was doing, you know, I kind of do there. I'm like, man, I ain't fucking yelling, got nothing to do. And I was like, clutch, electric worry. And he fucking threw that shit on. And he was like, mm-hmm. yeah. I was, I was watching yeah, that. I like this shit. I was watching shit. that exact episode, dude. When he when <sighs> put that on, I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds badass. Yeah, that, that somebody he didn't know. say. I don't think he said it was you, but I mean, he just said, "Yeah, this is that new band." I think he said they were out of Texas, maybe. And yeah, uh, yeah. That you gotta check this out. And it was Electric Worry. I fucking downloaded that shit that night. I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's great!" Fuck yeah, I love Clutch. I have yet to see uh, get to go see Clutch, but man, that's they're definitely on the list. I know they were. I, they were actually at the Machine Shop in one in Flint one time. I don't think it was that long ago, and man, it wouldn't have been that been a great show. I mean, that's a small, small venue. I mean, like like you almost see in a lot of their videos there. That'd be a fucking good experience. Those small little venues are nice, especially if there's a bar, so you can kind of like hang out afterwards and see if they come out for a drink and maybe offer in some of your weed. (laughs) Like, yo, follow me on Instagram, bro. Matt told me a story how his favorite band was, uh, what was it? He said it so many times, you think I'd remember. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was able to catch them in Ann Arbor. And uh, he actually was able to hand them, pass them some weed, and they gave him some, some pretty good reviews. They really liked it. So how awesome would that be to just go to a- Dr. Dankstein says, check out Willie Nelson. That new song's bad. You know, I'm guilty of fucking this. I'm sitting there. I've listened to that song now for about a week and a half. 
And uh, it wasn't until today, I was like, man, I can't believe they're talking this shit about Willie Nelson. And because I'm listening along and I'm like, and I thought, I thought they were saying up until today, I'm glad we're kind of talking about this because this is kind of fun. I thought they said up until today, they said the lyric was, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of building this up because you're going to fucking laugh. I thought the lyric was, because I, I get high and fucking rock out with this fucking earbud and fucking will yell out fucking song lyrics. And wrong, right, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I thought they were fucking saying Willie Nelson smokes ketamine. And I was like, wow, that ain't right. You know what I mean? And then I heard it real good today and I was like, oh, it's killer weed. Oh yeah, yeah. That makes perfect. That made, you know that made perfect sense to begin with. I couldn't really believe we were saying that shit. Yeah, I'm an Dude, idiot. I've, yeah, I've done it so many times, so many times. Now I've gotten to the practice where if I find a song I really like, I'll search for the lyric video just so I know what the fuck they're saying, <laughs> so I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's only been in the grow room or maybe walking around the yard and shit. I've been spouting that shit out, but I'm sure glad I fucking uh, caught myself before I did look like an idiot on the area fucking or some shit. Fucking so screaming out. How many times you screamed out that Willie Nelson smoked ketamine, man? <laughs> a, a bunch, a bunch in the here in the grow room singing along. I'm not afraid to fucking admit that shit. <clears throat> Every time, too, I was like, man, that's, that's fucked up. <laughs> that can be true. Willie Nelson's got to be pissed about this. Where's Willie Nelson? He's got to be mad. I can't believe he ain't said shit about this. Willie's going to do a response song. We've got a fight going on. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, not to change the subject, but I wanted to at least shout out uh steven the owner of uh, mitten canico he went on a uh, vacation to bahamas a while ago and he brought us back these little wooden painted pipes how cool is that that's fucking super cool it's even got a little screen in there uh you can't see it oh you kind of can yeah i can but uh i don't know if i'll ever smoke out of it because it's just like this is going to go on the shelf somewhere it's so cool looking and then the same time um, you know what kind of wood it's made out of? I don't. I don't. I wish I knew. There's really no markings or anything. He bought it from a vendor that you know that as a woodworker. That's what all it makes me ask. That's all. And then, <laughs> and then this one I got uh, just a little, like a month earlier, from a guy who went to Jamaica. It looks like stone. No, this is, is wood. That stone. No, this is, is it wood? Yeah, you can see the nice. wood grain. <clears throat> It's just this is all hand carved. This one, this is all one chunk of wood that was carved. So it's tough to get a nice straight drill like that to a bowl. Yeah. So I'm probably not going to smoke out of these guys, but it's cool. I have a pipe from Jamaica and one from the Bahamas already. I thought oh, that. Oh yeah, that's really cool. That's uh, I collect hammers and knives myself, but uh, pipes like that, I, that's cool as hell. Yeah, it's funny. I all of the things that I collected is people just started buying me you know what i mean it's like i've never went out and legitimately went out and tried starting collections it's just people 
early on when I was a kid in middle school, I started working. That's how early I started working. I was working on farms. That was my very first funny, funny how that is. But I was working on a farm at that time. And I'd always said when I worked on the farm that my favorite animal was the pig. The reason why the pig was my favorite was because they didn't fuck with me that much. And they were some of the cleanest animals of all of the animals I had to deal with. And uh, so people started buying me pig figurines. So I've had a <laughs> loads of pig figurines for a long time. I finally got rid of those. And uh, I don't know. It's just like then people will buy me something else and I'll have a collection of 15 of the same things. And then so I don't really legitimately go out and, and try to find these things. It's just it's weird how they come in clumps like that sometimes. Like I wouldn't, if you'd asked me a year ago that, hey, do you think in a year you'll have a pipe that was hand carved and you know from Jamaica and another one from the Bahamas? I would have told you you're a liar. There's no way. I have no plans to go to either place. Maybe Jamaica, but not the Bahamas. Well, what makes that neat is if we ever do get to go back to uh, going to events and shit that uh, you can start collecting a you know piece. You can and you'll have a memory for each one of them. You'd be like. This was Kushnag 2020 and shit. So that's a nice little, and it, you know, it's cool because you could build a nice little shelf in each one, you know? kind of like a little yeah, trophy yeah. shelf or something. All my hats, you know what I mean? All these hats, a lot of these were given to me. I did buy some of them, but a lot of these Mitten Canico ones were given to me, and uh, that that one right there, the Mammoth P one was given to me. I won that one. That's my science LED hat. I did buy this one. <laughs> I was yeah, thinking of well, doing shelves with a bunch of hats too, because I'm starting to get a lot of those. Huh. I wonder if I could think. Well, you could uh, make you a little shelf, like a little cubby shelf on you know, on a wall. All it would have to really be is like uh, six inches, you know, out from the wall. I would say maybe eight or seven. It might simple measurement, but enough to where you folded the back of the hat in. And then just like a tub of like little cubbies or something. I was thinking of actually maybe even putting them on like a slant so they would sit folded in just like what you're saying, but maybe on a slant with a ledge so that they would sit like this and then it would display the front of them behind me so everybody could see like whatever the front was for advertising or whatever they are. It'd be cool to be able to display the fronts, you know what I mean? You can't really see, you know, what these really are. Can't really tell until like I'm oh, there I on can my... hook you up, no problem. <laughs> shit like that. That's right up my alley. Because that's you know, for real, that's the kind of shit that before I made the, the transition there it was like carpentry. <clears throat> I actually uh, had had my own company for well let's see here. I started the company in uh ninety-nine. Ha ha ha! Ninety nine Eagle Eye Home Improvements, and uh, that was right when I left the Mott Foundation and ran my own company for word of mouth up until I think I really decided to make that transition in fifteen. You know, to where I was doing both, <clears throat> but I was like, I'm just fucking tired of dealing with people. I'm tired of. Uh, well, it's, I don't mean that in a bad way, but when you run your own business and uh, people like to call you, especially in, in that type of field, you, you, you've worked all day, you've just kind of walked in the, the door and left that job and they're like, oh yeah, man, I just wanted to call you and tell you if I had this kind of idea, or, you know, or you have to sit down and uh, start making, you know, 
estimate calls or something like that. It can it can add up <clears throat> as much as doing the work itself. But that's what I did. I'd go in, you know, somebody would call me over to like closet area, kitchen area, and we'd design whatever they needed, you know. Like I've built custom, you know, foot foot uh shoe racks and everything. I built this one lady a shoe rack that housed two hundred and ten pairs of shoes. She had two hundred and ten oh pairs of yeah. shoes. And she wanted a nice fucking rack, kind of like we're saying for your hats, kind of. She just wanted them all on display. She wanted to walk down there and just be able to take them out of their little cubby, and she didn't want them on top of each other. But, man, that unit was big as hell. But that's kind of what I did, and it was all word of mouth. I never once uh, advertised or anything. I, I made it that long from just strictly word of mouth. Well, that's a testament to the quality, obviously. I mean, if you didn't have a quality product, you would have never survived that long. No way. Oh, yeah. And part of, I like to think, I was always afraid of, uh, and I'm still guilty of this, uh, the I, the mastermind uh, concept is something I'm learning, I've learned later in life <clears throat> about the circle and all that shit. And I wish I would have caught on to that shit uh, a lot earlier in life because I would be a lot further in life. That's for sure. Because uh, I was always, especially uh, I, I used to make uh, like CD cabinets, curio cabinets, uh, tables with inlays and shit like that. For the longest time I made uh, when CDs uh, and DVDs, I want to rather say, were just kind of blasting out on the market. I was making these beautiful CD or DVD towers that would house like a hundred and they were all solid wood that I routered out all the slots that they would slide in and they'd have a beautiful multi you know, base that stacked up that was trim, 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 trim. And then you have the DVD tower and then they'd flyer out with a big old stack and crown and then back in. They were beautiful. I had no problems in selling them. The demand, the, I was more one of them people that worried about it spiraling out of control. And then I was going to have to hire somebody else. And then I was just going to have to, you know, kind of put the faith of my quality into their hands. And then it would spiral out of control. I, I, I was guilty of uh, trusting in others and, and, you know, and embracing that mastermind circle, if you will. And if I would have, you know, took that on and trusted people and started teaching shit earlier on, uh, I don't know, maybe if I would have, yeah, I think I would have ventured into the cannabis thing. I can't even believe I hesitated. <laughs> but, you know, even at that, I would, I still love to build things. And I still, if, you know, price is right and the fucking job calls me, you know, that's another thing I was able to pick and choose. I didn't fucking take on bullshit chats. I only took on things that I thought was, like you say, intellectually going to challenge me. And uh, I like that thing. I like to bend wood. I like to build round things. I like things I don't think, you know, most people think can't be built or shit like that. I mean, that was always... I understand where you're coming from. It's funny you say that because um, maybe it's part of the reason why I get along with you so well. It's like my mom, she's a really strong woman obviously if she raised a Spartan, <laughs> but, uh, she, uh, she's loved woodworking. I mean, she built a whole shed by hand. The only thing she didn't do was the wiring of the electric. My uncle did that. Um, 
but she could, I mean, we would watch countless hours of shows, like all these woodworking shows on TV. Uh, what was that? Uh, the guy that used this old house. Yeah, this fucking... old house. And then the guy that used all his own hand tools that he pretty much made himself and stuff. Woodworker. Oh, yeah, I forget. I know exactly. Woodworkers, uh, woodworkers, woodbreaker. Oh, God damn this fucking cop, <laughs> Woodwright workshop. There you go. Yes, yes. Oh God, I know exactly what you're talking about. All these, all all this stuff that uh, she was so into that stuff, and it was hard not to even have a little bit of that rub off on you. So I know what you're saying. Late in the later like 2000 areas, there was another good one called uh, Woodworks, and uh, I'm I'm missing that guy's name right now, and that's a shame because he fucking dealt out a lot of knowledge. He wasn't. uh, it was more the, like the finer end of woodworking. He was the one that kind of taught me how to like bend and laminate and shit like that. And uh, I was really, yeah, re- I haven't seen him, but I don't think, but what really would interest me is when I liked, like when they were showing like the old ways of making some of the stuff where they weren't using a lot of glues and things. So they'd have to do like dovetail joints and, and ways to work around to hold things together. That stuff was oh, really yeah. Look into Chinese architecture. A lot of that shit is without nails, man. That's all dovetails and you know shit like that. It's fascinating. A lot of their oldest structures in China and are fucking without nails. They never even there's not a lick of metal in that thing. And uh, it's That's really crazy, cool. man. I wonder as the as the wood weathers if it like swells a little bit to kind of lock it in place more. Maybe as it gets a little bit of water in it or something. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's compensated for. But it's amazing. I'm actually, I started to, we talked about, I kind of get burned out on shit. That's, that was one of the reasons there, man. People anymore are cheap, 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 cheap. And if you're working for somebody, well, fuck, you ain't putting, there's no more craftsmanship left. And look at all these new houses. I mean, there's, unless you've walked into, a mega money house. You're not. You don't see the craftsmanship. It's all the same three and a half base that you fucking see in every house. One of the three trims that is available at Home Depot. You know, there's no. Well, I think eighteen hundred houses where the, you see the one foot base and the door trims that are this wide. And, you know, that's the kind of shit I've got the respect for. And actually, if I go into them houses. And it, then, and I have to take that shit out. If them people don't want that shit, I am more than happy to take that shit home, pull some fucking nails, strip it, sand it, whatever I got to do because that old growth wood isn't the same as the shit that you go get from the lumber yards now. And you have to fucking work it it's within a day or two if you get it home because it's all cupped and warped and fucking twisted. You know, yeah, you can't even get a two by four anymore that's straight. I mean, what the hell is going on with this? <laughs> well, it's actually, I can talk about a little bit about this because I worked in that industry as well. I used to, I was a tree surgeon for a time as well. I, I, in particular, I was a climber. And uh, so I'd go in, trim trees back. You remember and, that cousin I was telling you about that grew weed? He was a tree surgeon too. <laughs> yeah. They're, we're fucking a crazy bunch, man. It, uh, you got to be not, a little bit not right to get up there with the fucking chainsaw, fucking surf, fucking drop and shit. Uh, that was a fucking great feel there. So I've kind of always worked my way around it, but I got a little bit off topic there. What they're doing now, why you see that, 
is they are actually most of that shit these trees are genetically a to grow super fast and b uh they'll walk up drill like a 316th hole in it and you can actually there's a little thing you can twist in there and it's it's steroids it's fucking steroids and it will take a six tree and fucking you can come back in six months and it'll be all fucking bulky and it'd be six inches thicker and so you need to problem. find out. You need to find out where the hell them trees are and go get you one of them fucking spikes and stick it in your cannabis plant and see what the hell happens. Oh God, I wouldn't want to smoke that. <laughs> I still, you wouldn't want to see what happens. Put it outside. Maybe you get a big old tree. Uh, <laughs> I, that insane in the membrane's close enough. I think I want to get to that something like that. That shit you can't control that. Well, that so when you're looking at when you're at the lumber grabbing them two by fours. Uh, as you're picking them, look at the end of it and kind of look at that growth ring. The tighter them, them rings, the less the chance of that thing twisting and you know, all that shit on you. Oh, nice. The fucking I... rings are like fucking quarter inch apart and shit. Throw that shit right back because that shit's going to twist as soon as you get it home. That's the only beauty you get from you know, being able to go through there and pick through that bunk. Is, <laughs> that's the only way, truly, you're going to get quality because if you call ahead at Home Depot... And say you need like 50 studs or whatever, they're gonna just right off the top. You're getting all the twisties, they don't get too shit. Oh, yeah, I always go through that stuff, man. It's and I that's a good tip about the count or looking at the rings that I never knew that. So, thank you for that. But I usually would just hold it and look at it and just look to see how straight it was. And some were so terribly warped, it's just like they won't even sit flat on the fucking stack. And there's, I'm like, why is this even here? You're going to leave this here for someone to buy and just be fucking pissed off? What the fuck? That, that right. stuff just irritates me. But I think what goes on here in, in just capitalism at its greatest, you know, it's the rush to the bottom. It's not about quality. It's the rush to the bottom. What's the cheapest way we can produce this thing? Does that mean we have China make it and we ship it here? Is that cheaper than making it here? Or I mean, that's kind of what a lot of products are doing. And uh, it's kind of what I try to avoid. <laughs> But like you said, you can walk into a house and see a lot of the same shit over and over and over and over again, just because it's what's cheap. You know, and if you use the cheap trim or use the expensive trim, are they going to pay more for the house? No, they don't give a fuck about the trim. <laughs> They're going to, they just want to see what the price is. They don't give a fuck about anything else. Oh, especially that's, that's one thing you want to ask about, or I would ask about, this is, I guess, a little contractor advice for somebody that's looking to buy a house. Uh, I would ask the history of the house. I'd ask if the homeowner built it or if it was like a contractor. Because if a contractor built it, you're exactly right. That shit's uh, prepackaged kind of kitchen deals. It's uh, like the mid, not not the lowest, but a mid-grade. You know, they're, they're not, they want a nice house, but they don't want to put a lot on. Everything's economy. Builder packages, builder packages, builder packages. But if your house was built by a homeowner now, well, they wanted, they built that house because they intended on spending the rest of their life about in that thing. So they went through and picked out quality fucking sinks and cabinets and all that good shit. So if you're buying a house, it's a good tip to you know find out if it was a commercial builder that produced the house or if it was homeowner built or homeowner funded anyways. One of the things I like to ask to to make it look like I know what I'm talking about with houses when I really don't know a whole hell of a lot. I like to ask them what kind of studs are in the walls if they know. Like, is that a two by four? Is that a two by six? Is that a two by two? What kind of walls am I dealing with? Because 
I want at least two by four walls, if not two by six, so I can throw some insulation in that. And uh, well, two by six is cold now. You can't even if you're gonna build a house, it has to be a no. It has to be two by six now. That's even better. Anything built, I want to say after 2005 had to be uh, two by six. I'm not just cannabis, Dan, man. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's actually kind of crazy to change things like that when you build a house now. It's crazy. There's actually a number that you have to, uh, you're aiming for uh, in efficiency. You can go above that number, but like say the trade things out, there's a number for everything. I, okay, you're looking you're at your house and like say a window's got a value and your insulation has a value, da 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 da. You can trade off values, but in the end, it has to equal. You know what I'm saying? You can go above and beyond better, 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 better. But, you know, as you're picking out things, you can cut corners here, but you better bring that quality back somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. actually, the, these houses that I'm talking about are kind of weird now. If you buy a newer home, uh, and again, now I want to say this this transfers about 2010 area. Uh, uh, anything that almost comes with pedigree. It has to, you know, when it transfers ownership, there's a book that says this is the value of the house. This is the, our value of the windows. This is the insulation that's in here. This is how everything rated. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, I actually like that. I wish my house came with that. That would have been wonderful. It would have saved me so much time trying to figure out what the fuck happened in here. <laughs> I got to do it. Can, uh, house. You, you can notice me. that too as you're walking through a door, the entryway door there. You should The width of the door jam should tip you off right there as well. Just be able to spot that. And yeah. then use that like you're knowledgeable. Just be like, mm, two by six walls. You know what I mean? You won't even have to ask. You know. So, so oh, this is up to code. I like that. Yeah, and that, I, that was what I did for the longest time, but I just fucking, uh, I couldn't, uh, I had the love for the plant and I was already swaying that way anyway. And I was doing both. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try to uh, extend working this way somehow, you know, uh, trying to put my foot out there somewhere. And because uh, I was just tired of fucking lugging boards and back hurting and long so days. What's your outlook? What's your long term plan? I mean, are you going to continue where you're at now or is there any other plans for Eagle? Are you uh, looking to do anything else? First interview here. Um, <laughs> I'm just interested, man. I'm just honestly interested. <laughs> well, um, right now I plan to stay uh, a caregiver. I have, you know, fully care with as many patients as I can have and myself. And then, um, so I'm trying to keep everybody happy here because I don't want to necessarily, like you just said earlier in the interview, I'd have to give that up or transfer that in some type of way so I could, everybody could be taken care of. But I'm kind of really like the idea of, I wouldn't, I'm not opposed to working for somebody, I guess, but the dream is to, I would ultimately have, like to have my own full-size grow. If not, the next step, I would like to see myself as a micro-grow owner because uh, 
I just like the idea of uh, keeping my brand or keeping my name or, you know, keeping, keeping me involved in the process to where uh, the new setup, the way they have it set up right now, it's going to be pretty easy to get swept under. You know, even if you're able to sustain being some type of cannabis grower and can, uh, they do let uh, caregivers, like say, put their self to a processor, turn it over to a processor, let us stay in the loop like that. Well, the processor is just going to smack his label right over top of uh, the Eagle Gardens brand. That's not, so, that's not always the case. Uh, I can tell you from our standpoint itself, when we first started uh, taking down harvest, our harvest would go to a um, dispensary and they would put their pack, they put it in their packaging, just like what you're saying. Since then, um, Stevens ordered some packaging of our own labels, and I actually have one here just to show it. <laughs> but it looks like this. comes in multiple colors. I mean, this is just a blue one here. But I like the blue. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but we actually send these just like this. Not even, you know, you can see this hasn't even been ever filled ever. And we send them just like this, not filled with our product, and they still package it, just use our packaging. So it's just a matter of working that deal out, you know, tell them, look, we got the packaging. You don't even have to pay for packaging. We're saving you money there. Just put it in our packaging, that kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? That way, that's, that's our only way to tie the grower to the end product. Because like you said, it usually has so many steps between the grower and the end product that the grower's identity is lost on that. The, the, the label, the brand is lost. And so really, does it say like Michigan Canico Eagle Gardens Farms or like under the strain, something like that? This doesn't see it all the, the back. See, the back is intentionally blank, so they can put whatever sticker they need to to be compliant on the back. The front okay. says just Mint and Canico, and then it has all the compliant labeling, and then it has uh, Instagram handle. So, like, that's where your Eagle Gardens one and uh, whatever. We have both of them. So it says uh, Mint and Canico, which is the company, and then Mint and Gardens, which is Stevens, the owner's uh, personal Instagram. So it's got them both on there. Well, that's great. You guys have uh, thought about that and uh, are willing to give the, the grower or whatever, you know, some limelight. They're not getting buried in that as well. Because that's most people's fear and that's my fear, you know. I've spent years, you know, trying to put myself out there. And uh, of course, I, if I was going to make that next step, I kind of want to keep that. And I like the idea of the micro ropes. I could be able to still uh make my product process it myself and then be able to you know maybe work it myself and not only that is uh keep that branding because you still will be able to if uh, it's so hard to you know judge this question now with the current state of things you know what i'm saying because you know like that's why saying, i i understand 100 percent where you're coming from because my head was swirling with it too and that's why i finally made the decision like i need to make a move i can't I felt like I'm not in the same situation as you were. I didn't have as many patients and I couldn't sustain myself on my grow. So I had to do another job, which I was hating and it was beating me down. So what I did is I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to, you know, put myself out there and work from somebody and learn from them. I'm so glad I did that because now I can see like on a daily basis, the, the constant calls and little fires that have to be put out by, Steven or, or uh, Michigan Matt. And it's like, 
when I see that, you know, I'm 41, I'll be 42 in July. And I'm like, I could do that right now, but uh, it's not something I want to do long-term. That's like, that can be pretty stressful. I think having to deal with like township and fire marshals just wanting to stop in whenever to do their stupid inspection again. And we haven't changed the damn thing. You know, there's just countless, countless things that come up. It seems like that uh, when you say uh, micro grow to me, I shudder because it's like, now you have to be in control of a grow. You have to be in control of a processing and a dispensary basically all in one. And you've got to be the guy that solves all those fires for all three of those places all at once. It's the way I've lived my whole life though, Spartan, you know, that's but, that, hey, that concept doesn't, you know, like I just told you, I have trouble embracing. I'm just starting to embrace the mastermind type attitude. That attitude, I'm doing it here now. I, you know, I'm the trimmer and all that shit. I fucking, this all gets done by me. So that step up, I think, would just be a little bit more dedication. It'd be more full time. And at that point, you're a business and you could think about hiring somebody to come in. And, okay, your job is trimmer. You're the extractor. I'm sure. Yeah, I guess, I guess my point, you know what, my point I'm trying to make is, is that the step from the home grow to the volume at a big grow is so labor intensive to continue the same quality that when you add on top of the larger quantity of plants, which is going to take you longer to do whatever you're doing, processing, leaf stripping, blah, blah, blah. We'll go all the way down to the end. Add on top of all of that, this extra responsibility of navigating the regulations and all of the little fires that the township and the localities pop up for you to have to deal with constantly. And then OSHA who wants you to, you know what I'm saying? To that, to me, that turns a love or a hobby into a job. And it's not a step I would want to take, but uh, I would totally work for you <laughs> if you wanted to do all that. <laughs> To be honest, I mean, I do would love to be there someday. <clears throat> and I guess to answer your question, you know, long story short, when I closed my eyes and I, you know, I said this a few times in this interview and I, you have to see, it. you have to, whatever you're doing. And when I close my eyes and I smoke and, you know, I'm trying to take on uh, Jack Greenstock my hats off to him and Brad Setter Farms. I want to, I meant to say this, not to get too far off track. I just thought of it though. It's a you know, better life here. Brad Setter Farms in his interview kind of uh, hearing his story uh, has decided to make me uh, switch off of energy drinks. I seen you. Oh, you're another good example too. I love you so much. The one time we were on the show, you seen me chugging away on that fucking uh, energy drink. And you were like, put that shit poison down. And I was like, you know, I didn't say it right then and there, but I was thinking, thank you, brother. But I'd like to report to Red. Since that interview, I have not had an energy drink. I've just kind of shelved that shit. But uh, I to, when I close my eyes, I'm in meditation. I don't say other place. James, Jack Greenstock, in one of my uh, talks with him, I had mentioned uh, yoga and uh, wanting, thinking about yoga and uh, meditation, thinking about bowls. And he's like, yes, you have to do it. You have to fucking 
look into it. You have to try it. So uh, he actually sent me a link, and I I was gonna try it today. Today fucking uh, rain a little bit long, and I wanted to fucking do it, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm both. But when I'm like kind of meditating and smoking that joint, and I'm thinking about that next step, I really envision uh, like a greenhouse. I'm walking through. Uh, a giant like nonprofit. I, I want it to be nonprofit. I really do. When I close my eyes and I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about how much I can give away because I know the logistics of it. And if you were that serious, you could do what you love and give a lot away and still be able to uh, make that dream happen. If you're not in the concern of, you know, making a million dollars, you know, whatever. But if I, if I ever hit the lotto or, you know, whatever, you know, it was just gifted or dreamed or the universe threw it that my way, I've been on the record of saying, yeah, that's what I would probably lace money on, win, lose, draw, or whatever. I think I would actually, if, I, if it were a lotto-type situation, I think I would cut some of that money aside for me, and I would fucking put that footing in the ground and I would go, okay, you guys get the rest of this shit. Fucking travel, do what you fucking want to do. I'm going to be here fucking, you know, doing this. Yeah, I think it's fun. It's so it's so fun to think about, like, if money wasn't an object, you know, if you won the lotto. And I might surprise you with my answer. Like, if I won the lotto, I think what I would want to do is I would want to buy a, a big chunk of land somewhere and I would want to uh, set up uh, a place to have events because honestly, that's my true love. I love to get together with like when I get together with you guys and um, like vehicle city social, but like a bigger, like a Kobo hall, big, you know, big enough for a lot of people to, to be able to, to show up and have maybe an indoor cannabis cup or some shit like that, but to be able to provide an indoor place, not only for, um, you know, like cannabis cups and events like that, but for education. I think it would be awesome. Like, I'm really like what we do online all the time or what I do online. You know, when I'm jumping on all these shows is like, I honestly get a kick out of educating for free. You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, it would be great if I, if I was able to do it for a job, but I would be worried that it would get to be where it was a job and I would lose kind of the love of it. But if, if I didn't have to worry about it being a job and I had, you know, I won the lotto, heck yeah, that's what I want to do. And I'd want to have a greenhouse there that I could bring kids in and give them the love. It wouldn't have to be cannabis. I would just have a market garden or something. But get, I think it's important that I think we really lose in the society of just to be able to feed ourselves, especially right now with people having to stay at home. If, if, we, if people had the skills and hadn't have lost the skills of having a few chickens in the backyard, of having, you know, being able to plant your own gardens every year and you'd be able to support yourself with a lot of the food that you eat. You could support yourself in your own backyard and you don't need a lot of space for it. So That's- I noticed that problem and I really believe wholeheartedly in that and like organic gardening. Well, medicine, our medicine is our food really. And all of our medicine comes from plants. And if you eat plants, not only are you eating it to sustain yourself, but it's also a medicine. If you think about it like that, like, this is my medicine, you're more apt to take better care of that. And you're more apt to have a higher nutrition in that uh, vegetable when you eat it too. So it's just going to be better for your body. So I would love to get kind of like that message out and try to get people back to like 
healing the plant kind of you know let's leave it a little bit better than where we found it if we can do that that would be excellent you know what i'm saying and through organic gardening regenerative practices you can actually regenerate the soils and, and not and you can actually do what you think would be kind of impossible like how can i leave it better than what i got it well there's one way we can regenerate these soils that they're saying that they're not expect it's not sustainable our current practices i don't, I don't remember what the last number was but there's not a whole lot of many more seasons left of, of harvest if we continue to do doing. And you have to at least rotate crops and where you know we're not every time we flip that we're de destroying the microorganisms and that's like the, the food web underneath that soil is so important, you know, it relates so much. It's kind of freaky on how well. You know, for the people that, you know, don't want to fucking think about it, it's an easy way to transfer it, you know, the movie Avatar, the way they talk about the way the trees interlate and the whole thing. It's so fucking true. That is the exact what, that's what's going on underground. There's no doubt about it. It's fucking all interwoven. It's, you know, you can't beat Mother Nature. It's set up, you know. We have to, we have to learn to respect this for sure. I wish I could grow outdoors, but I just, uh, I've always been scared to make that a transition. You know, it's a security issue. It really is. I mean, talk about, you know, putting yourself out there. It's, you have to be in a nice neighborhood where you trust everybody. You now, let me ask you a question. Why? You can hear this. You can smell what that shit for miles about? and miles and miles. But what are you worried about? I've worked about? at jobs where I've been like, I can smell it like a hound, man. I've been, I'm telling you right now, I've been I'm building houses and I'm like, it's over there. <laughs> There's a grove somewhere around here. It's over there. I yeah. can smell it. Which, yeah. which way is the wind coming from? It's that house. <laughs> this summer I don't want that to be, do me. I don't want that to be me. I'm sorry to cut you off, brother. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying, if I'm driving with the windows down in the summertime, I'm fine. I can find all the houses. But, but think about it this way, though, man. This is that thing I was talking about earlier. It's fear that's stopping you from doing something you might love. And what if you don't grow outdoors, you're not going to have an outdoor plant. If you do grow outdoors, there's a possibility you might get it ripped. But is that isn't that really the worst thing that could happen? So, so you're still, know. Same, you're still in the same spot where you don't have an outdoor. If that happens, worst case scenario, you're maybe, in the same spot you're going to be anyway. Maybe and maybe not. I don't think that's what's holding me back. Is fear is uh, uh, the reason I. It's the same reason I don't do a lot of things. You ha I have to pick what I love and what I want to focus on because I'm that type of person that uh, dives in wholeheartedly. When I, when I decide that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my abilities. I don't play video games because I fucking will play that motherfucker until I've got an ace. I don't play sports because, uh, you know, I can't go professional. I, you know, I, but yet I still have that mentality when I'm playing sports that I fucking want to win. So if, you know, I don't want if I can't win, then I don't want to fucking play. If I can't, you know, do this or that, in this case, if I can't take my my skills that I've got from in here and go out there, at least with this plant, and just try to grow the biggest fucking tree I can grow. Well, I don't know if I want to take it outside and just try to grow little bushes. Hell, I can fucking do that right here. 
<laughs> if I go outside, I want a fucking grow Mendo dope tree that you're gonna see from fucking couple yards away. You're gonna be like, that dude's growing weed. That's a fucking, that's amazing. Have you seen that guy's plant? You can see it from like four yards away. And that's the same reason I have, I, you know, I, motorcycles, anything. You, you fucking could pull up in my yard and fucking go, hey, man, I just got this bike fucking kicks ass. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, can I take a ride for it? And you know when I get on that motherfucker, it's going to be like, wah, 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 wah. and fucking you're going to be like, god damn, did he fucking max that thing out? And then the answer is probably. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I have to pick my battles then, you know. In order to keep my life in check, there's just some things I don't do anymore. Do you grow anything else? Do you grow anything else outside at all? I used to fucking grow a garden outside at my last house. I grew a garden and I used to like to fucking grow uh, the sunflower seeds. And I used to like to grow the motherfuckers that were 16 foot and they had fucking, you know, the heads like that. You know, the, and the same thing goes with tomatoes. I like to like big old fucking pumpkins pumpkins are another good quick gratifying you can grow some monster pumpkins there's a lot of like good fucking pumpkins you can brag about yeah fucking grew me a fucking wheelbarrow size pumpkin <laughs> it could be I, i'm pretty sure i'm right but i think pumpkins are the highest protein content in a seed that you can find so uh pumpkin seeds pumpkins are good to grow just grab the seeds man give you protein but uh Tomato is probably the closest vegetable that you mentioned to cannabis. And if you can grow a tomato, you can grow cannabis outside, man. If you're growing those giant sunflowers, you can grow cannabis. I don't know what you're worried about. I mean, I'm not pushing you. I'm just saying you'd you do okay. I'm sure you do. No, I'm just worried about growing something that, you know, yeah, like I said, it would be like a goal to see if I could do like a 16 footer and just truck, you know, size. It would be, I would, that would be the goal of it to me. It wouldn't just, can I grow outside? The goal of it for me would just be see if I could do a monster. And, and I would be cheating. I'd be cheating. I'm telling you that right now, Spartan. I would be that guy that would fetch something in here for fucking six months. And when the moment was right, I would fucking dig me a six foot hole and prep that bitch and drop that bitch in there. And I would be out there all every day, just like a normal plant. <laughs> and I think it'd be almost be with that laugh right there. <laughs> fucking him walking away, fucking just knowing that I, you know, I don't even think I'd grow many. I think I would just focus that, you know, on one and whatever I picked up from that one, I may transfer to another the next year. I think that's a great so, Yeah. I think it's a good plan. <laughs> Do it. I <laughs> yeah, see I'm the opposite. Yeah. See, look, so I live on just less than half an acre i have i live on the corner of two streets so i got two streets on the corner like like this around me and uh so that's all ditch this is all ditch on the on both sides of where those streets are so my yard's really actually pretty small my backyard i just got it all completely fenced in last year it's a six foot fence i have a house right straight behind me across the street from me on the one side there's a house and then right next door to me there's a house so i got houses all around me you would think you can't grow outside. Well, fuck you. I'm going to try. So I'm going to put auto flowers outside this year. I'm going to take maybe, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do more than one, but I might do two or three and just put them in uh, fabric pots so that I can move them if I have to. And I'm just going to go stick them in my raised beds 
and uh, see how long I can uh, keep them out there before they start stinking too bad, and I got to bring them inside. But uh, that's my plan. I want to try to it force away. Something. Very small, but I don't care. It's still gonna be. It would be a good reason to uh, to do it to uh, just in case my filters, because I was saying last night's episode that uh, I do heat my house with these lights, and uh, I do. That's no lie. I've heated. I'm in northern Michigan. This is no lie, Spartan. I, I heated my whole. This house is uh, roughly 1,800 square feet. I pumped out, and uh, I heat it entirely with these lights. That's no bullshit. Uh, it runs through it get all the hot air from every ton gets sucked and it meets in a union back there then all of it goes through these four tents right here and it goes out and under the house and it comes up and it goes right into the cold air return and it gets sucked in through there filtered out through the heater the heater runs because you can walk up and just hit that switch and run the motor and that's what I do. I just run that fucking motor and it just picks everything up from the, you know, what's being pushed in. It picks it up, filters it, and puts it through the air ducts. And it actually keeps it really warm in the house. And if it gets too chilly, I have a, a, a wood wood stove and uh, we'll just fire up a wood stove and you know, burn for a few hours of the day until the house gets, you know, warm. I've, I've heated this house with this method in northern Michigan with uh, this method in four cords of wood this winter at $60 a cord. So you do that math on a, a normal house bill, it's, it's, I, it's I w- worth it. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I think I'm thinking about it because I have, I have natural gas, so it wouldn't be worth it for me because it's really cheap for me to heat my house on natural gas. Um, I have propane. I'm a propane. Yeah, so that would be a big difference, yeah. But for me, it's like, the, the less electricity I'm pulling with the LEDs, I'm saving on electricity there. My electrical bill is, let me see, I'm running one, two, three, four, five. I'm only running, only, I'm running seven lights. And my electrical bill total for the whole house included is 500 a month. So I'm doing pretty good on, on, on lighting costs, man. <laughs> you just made me feel so much better because, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I'm checking in right about the fucking six fifty seven, almost just under seven hundred dollar range of mountain, the house and the grow. So you know, it can be costly to, to for this habit. Oh yeah. Sure. But this is the way I. And this okay. This is stupid, and this is fucking real life bullshit here. Um, before I started growing. Uh, I went through an ounce a week. I have no problem. I've always been a heavy smoker. And I have no problem in saying this. I went through a roughly an ounce a week uh, doing what I do and fucking smoking the way I smoke. And at, back then, I believe I, I wasn't smoking cheap shit either. It was, it, at this point, it was because it was I had gave up the mids. You know what I mean? It was definitely smoking some better stuff. I had known some guys at that point that were you know, taking the risk and putting some more quality out there. So I was paying a little 200 bucks an ounce back then. And that adds up. That's $800 a month. Now, okay, now we just reverse that to what we just said. You apply that to your electric bill. And now (laughs) you, you apply that habit to your electric bill. And now you've got 
I can sit here and smoke this fucking fat joint as much as I want, and I, I can help my patients out, you know, with a little, you know, I'm still, actually, I, again, I'm blessed in that manner, too, because I have a few great folks that flip me lights. <laughs> I've got a few good folks that flip me nutrients. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it had, it's, I've had a lot of ways that you know, it lets me to live this lifestyle and smoke it like I do. But, yeah, uh, that's the funny thing I always say is that um, sometimes people will say, well, what do you do when you run out of weed? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you one thing. The grower never fucking runs out of weed. When I start saying it's painful. Yeah, I say it's when I painful start, when you go to the dispensary and you run out of weed. You're like, you know, I do this. I know what it's robbing me, man. I say when I'm when I say I'm running out I'm running out of weed. That means that I'm smoking fucking my keef and these fucking old dry sift fucking shit that I have. But I'm not completely out. I always got something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, I I've only been to the dispensary I think three times, and um, I've never really been in impressed uh even the edibles even the edibles at dispensaries for some reason oh we just are than what they claim they are it just seems so much weaker than what they claim because i don't know when i make my own edibles and like what you're saying earlier about how you dive into things i dove into kind of edibles like because for some reason I, I love smoking weed as you can see i've been smoking like crazy but if i taste just the slightest bit of weed in my edible it, it almost makes me gag so I really had to dive into the whole tech of making an edible that didn't taste like weed. Um, okay, I just you you made me think of another reason for the micro business here, Spartan, is uh, the dispensary all in itself. I mean, you guys can have your packaging and everything, but you can't control it once it's getting out to your hands. Um, and that's quality here, brother. And you're depending a lot. Your 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 reputation or their reputation is it's again why I never really jumped off in that fucking woodworking thing. You're putting your brand, your name, your product, and unfortunately we're not fucking selling t-shirts here or we're not growing t-shirts. So it's not a product that we can put on the shelf and it's gonna sustain itself for a long period of time. This is an organic substance. So if it isn't something that's completely popping and moving at all points of delivery, then your product, depending on you know how it's packaging and all that good shit, the amount it's packaging in, can sit on a shelf and start to degrade. Especially now, if we're starting to you put your, if you're foolish enough to start making pre rolls, that can, in my mind, the pre roll market can tarnish a fucking reputation quick as shit because you know as soon as you crushed it up put it in a joint it's sitting in a tube it's you know, it could be a week before somebody that hits somebody's lips and the taste the terpenes and all that and you know very a lot you know you could take that same strain and when you put it in the tube oh this is fire you put that shit in the tube and let it sit around for two three weeks month and yeah, it's not so fire in a month you know then that's the same thing that's the same uh, trust you're putting into wherever you're spreading your product around. A good chance that dispensers themselves good, or they're uh, undercutting you with somebody else's brand. 
that your your shit sits on the shelf for a minute longer, and now they get that mint and canicle uh, package, and it sat on their shelves for a month or two, and it's degraded, and it's not as good as it was when you put it in that package, and, and as good as I'm positive it comes from Michigan Canico, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, what you, I want- you, but you, you could lose a lot of traction here, and that's something that you could only trust and maintain is in, in the micro grow. That's probably the biggest benefit is there, is you could package it and get it out there as, you, as the demand uh, served, you know what I mean? I agree. Uh, and you in, in that way you'd be able to maintain a good reputation in your brand and you know your brand and, and in itself. So yeah, that's the thing that really steps me that worries me from making that micro business or the caregiver, the whole caregiver aspect. That's where I see the importance to at least make that first step into the micro, which isn't that you know that big of a deal to up obtain i think it's like a five thousand dollar license if that and the paperwork isn't nearly as bad so why not attain that and be able to secure your brand and your quality and then even at that point you could still you know uh sublet if you will or you know whatever you could still dish it out to sub vendors or whatever but again you'd still be able to limit the amount and the quality to your your standards See the, where if you're a caregiver, that's not going to happen, man. That could that should you, you if you're a caregiver and you drop that whatever you got to take the minimum is to a you know a processing unit, it sits on their shelf for a month or so before they can actually process and package it, and then you know it goes out to their vendors and it could sit down their process. You know, you're putting a huge huge trust in in the chain and in, in your brand you know what i'm saying that See, to me is this is a huge risk i agree with what, everything you're saying and i think vertical integration like that is is wonderful if you can obtain that where like on the micro grow where yeah that's an even better system operate. yeah if you can all keep it in house and stay <clears> at like your level yeah but I'm sorry I didn't mean but there's a drawback I don't, I don't know how close you've looked into the laws, but the, I think they set the, they've, they've set the micro grow up to fail. And why I say that is because the dispensary portion of the micro grow is not allowed to bring in any product from anybody else. So you have to produce everything in house to sell out the front door. I'm talking edibles i'm talking everything what that puts you at such a disadvantage because when another it could be right next to you could be another dispensary that's got 50 different products and people are going to walk into your dispensary and you've got you know how many can you do by yourself 10 15 products depending on how they sell how many how many are going to be available i think it or god forbid you fail a testing and they say they want to destroy the product now you don't have product to put on the shelves and you can't even bring in product to continue to help with you keep your doors open. Hopefully it's something that they change, but right now they don't let a micro grow. It's all contained within itself. And uh, it's almost like a nationalism as far as like countries go. If you shut off your borders, it sounds like a really good idea, but there's some resources that aren't available to you and you're, so you have to kind of be nice to the people around you so you can trade and open those borders. 
same thing with this is like, if they're going to cut you off from everybody else in the industry and it's sink or swim only for you, you better be perfect because uh, you, one failed harvest and it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt bad. So, so I guess uh, I'm listening to what you're saying and it made good sense to me is uh, are you limited to where you live and be able to open that micro? Cause I don't know this Spartan. Uh, Cause it would make good sense if I say I wanted to open up my micro grow, but they tell me, no, you're limited to your city or, you know, oh. your County. Well, that may suck for me because there's not a shitload of people in my County, my fucking micro business, you, you know, may or may not work, but you know, if it's limited to location, then I may be fucked if I couldn't like do it, like say downside or you should be, if you're limited, if you can't put it, like go to a city and go set it up just like a McDonald's. Hey, I want to, you know, set up a micro grow right here in a big city where I have a chance for good retail. Yeah. You're going to be fucked. <laughs> you so, may not want to pull that micro grow license. So the, this is another kind of downside, I guess, is that no, no, that's not the case. Yes, you can go other places, but the first step in, is that you're going to have to find a location first and foremost, like where is there real estate that I can use to, to make my, have my building or build my building. Most, what I'm hearing from the industry is most of the approved uh, licenses are going to places that are doing new builds. They like, they really like to see new builds for whatever reason. But anyhow, so so finding the property is going to be the first problem. Well, that reason is right. We've we've already discussed that is because a new build is already meeting them energy codes. They don't have to worry about what's in the walls, the wiring, and shit like that. It's all set there in front of them in that fancy book we already discussed. Yeah, that's why they that's why they like the new builds. Yep, and so they also. so so your first step is basically to get over the hurdle of the local requirement. And what I mean by that is, is you have to, wherever it is that you think you, where you found some real estate that you think you can get a hold of, you think it's a promising area, find that locality, being that a County office, or maybe it's a township, whatever it is, and find out what their rulings are on it. Unfortunately, a lot of places aren't even allowing it. So, I mean, First, you got to find a locality that allows it. And then if they do allow it, you got to find out if there's any spots available. A lot of times people will get in line, get approved, and then just want to sell that license instead of actually do anything with it. So they're taking over. I think before a city, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to, because this is a good, this has been a fucking, I just want to stop and say this too, brother. This has been a fucking great show. We have kept and drawn a great audience tonight. And I want to, because just because I have Mike, I usually shout and talk to the, to the uh, people in chat quite a bit, but the last two episodes have been just so good back and forth. I haven't had a chance to say hi to everybody in chat like that and shit. But, uh, God damn it. I got sidetracked, Spartan. What were we talking about? We're, we're talking about the local level, having to get that. Uh... Okay. Uh, the local level. Uh, they want you completely built out up here, too. You know, that's a lot of a hit for somebody to... They want you fully built out too. They want you to have oh, it's full, not really. all your licensing. This is up here. I know this to be to be a fact of it. This is Denton Township up here. This isn't where I live, but it's close. I know a guy that's building a building 
over there, and they're making him to jump through all these hoops. They want it. They want him to have his state licensing in order. They want him to have the build completely built out, and the whole floor plan, everything okayed from the fire department, the police chief, all that good shit. Then the city will come in and okay it. So basically, they're asking you to fucking lay out, you know, a couple million dollars almost, or at least a mill, to uh, to get this going, and then you can still be smacked down. But this, I, I don't know. Also, where where I started to go with this point was um, before with these cities uh, just started smacking everybody down. I wish they would just start putting us in a zone or offer a zone. Okay, we don't want it in this thing. We don't want the BOCs from your stinky weed. Right now, that's that's a real thing. In California, the VOCs from Cannabis Grows are a legit bitch. And if you look into it, you can kind of, I get it, I get it. It's rotten gases, you know. Nice. To I'm us, sorry. it smells good. Yeah. No, but- that, doesn't, that doesn't fly with me because I went to high school at Stockbridge High School and drove past a fucking onion field every fucking day. In- or a pig farm. I get it. Farms. Cow farms. So don't give me no bullshit about smell because they get away but with I, it. I know it, but this is this is truly a really this is a real thing in California. And they shoot they are shooting growers down just be on smell reasons on what's coming out in the air. But what I'm getting at is if you know if we approach a city, we should be at least the city should be go, okay, we find your grow to be stinky. You should either be able to check this we don't want we want to see what you're putting out and it has to be measured to where we you know there's nothing coming out or it's absolutely controlled and filtered or give us the option of everybody's going to grow on the outskirts of fucking town where it doesn't bother anybody and you guys you guys can be shoulder to shoulder and whatever but at least give us that one or two options like that before you fucking go try to jump everybody out of town or you say no to the revenue that it could bring into your town you know it should there should be a plan b there for that, municipalities okay so there's a couple things here there is you just what you said you can go to those meetings and you can say that to those fuckers and you can go there every fucking meeting and so they get tired of that squeaky wheel and they apply some grease um steven i mentioned him the owner of mitten I don't know how many times he's had to leave in the middle of doing something to go down to a, to attend a meeting, uh, a township meeting, because by being present and being there, you make, here we are those connections again in this industry, you make those connections and eventually they learn to work with you because they realize that <clears throat> with your tenacity, you're not going away. So you're going to have to deal with, you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. But um, <clears throat> if you don't get anywhere that way, there's still an option. You could run yourself against those idiots if you wanted to on the thing or you could throw your support behind somebody else and campaign for somebody to replace on that panel that can uh, help you in in getting what you need in your in your area now you don't have to operate in the area that you live in you just have to have your area where you are operating just has to be approved by the locality i the other thing i wanted to say is is i I, i'm guessing that maybe you understood it a little wrong because one of the requirements for the state license is to have the local, the locality um, approved you. So I don't see how a locality can say, well, you got to have the state approval before we even go in there at the end and then approve it. That's just, it goes against the whole entire 
uh, state process. You, the well, state I haven't looked into the process a whole hundred percent, to be honest with you, because I have, I don't really have the funds and I ain't, I'm not there yet. So I haven't, you know, examined exactly what I need to go. This is just what I'm being told by this in particular grower. Yeah, it I would really just be something that why he's telling me in the whole, why his grow or whatever's in whole. No, a lot of it sounded a lot of it sounded right, but that that one little bit seems really what you have to do is get the it's kind of backwards. You have to get the locality first before the state even wants to fuck with you. Um, if you're really interested in this, or your viewers are interested in this kind of stuff, cannabis the cannibal I think it's the cannabis legal group on YouTube has a lot of good informational videos and they update it, I think once a week or they were all about the cannabis law in Michigan. So it really helps to understand. That's good to know because I wasn't aware of it myself. I'm glad you dropped that. That's a really good one. And and I think in the titles, they do a good job of saying what they're talking about in each episode. So you can kind of just scroll through the titles and look for what you're specific. They did a whole show on just micro businesses actually. So that would be a good one to listen to. I've always had a problem with, uh, you know, we've all got our emails as caregivers to the state, or at least I offer mine. And I've signed up for the updates and shit, but they make them so fucking hard to fucking get to the real information. And it's not as timely as it should be. You know, there should be, I'm glad that you're pointing out another network that could keep us uh, more informed because the state, <laughs> unless you're out there really looking for that information, it, you can fall behind really quick. And the good thing about that that particular uh, YouTube page is is that they'll take what you're talking about, those bulletins, and uh, if it's something that's really relevant to us, they'll break it down so you can understand what the fuck it even means sometimes. You know what I mean? And what I really like about their perspective is, is they're lawyers. So they'll say, you know, this is the way it's written but we foresee problems, this, this, and this, or we would, we would do this, or we would tell our clients that. And it's almost like free legal advice. And I mean, why not? I mean, why not, you know, get some free legal advice. Um, so I'm really happy to listen to it when I get a chance to, for sure. I'm glad. I'm sure everybody else that are listening right now and who will listen will take note of that. Cause we're all, we're all looking to stay safe. That's for sure. And, uh, that's the only way is to stay informed. So how are you liking this so far? Is it uh, as easy and as uh, fun as you thought it would be so far? Oh, yeah. I, mean, dude. I know I've enjoyed every second of this so far. It's, yeah, me too, dude. I was I've it's had a good time. I'll put it to you this way. It's so refreshing to just have to show up for a show. There's no preparation. There's no worrying about oh i should talk about this or i should write something down and and have this to talk about it's refreshing just to come hang out with your buddy and and uh can't remember who i was talking to about this uh looking forward to come on to this it might have been in the frugal force or one of the one of the countless chats we're in uh i was saying you know i'm really looking forward to coming talking to eagle because honestly i've known eagle longer than anybody else in the whole circle i met him way back in hashback years before we even did any of the uh mission grows grow show or anything so long time before that yeah i said so out of the circle he's my oldest friend right there so uh yeah like, it was nice to it was almost like fate that you came back around it's kind of cool yeah sure. and it's like um nah shit i was gonna say something but i'm so high i forgot what the hell it was, <laughs> was you know say. what you can say for me because i haven't done it yet but i said this today 
and I think it was so a, a really good idea. So far, I've made, I haven't made, I've asked, I, I want to rephrase that. I've asked everybody to uh, just go ahead and say what the fuck they're on. Because I like to see that title just kind of roll out of their mouth. Can you just one time say, because I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. I want to hear oh, that. Just, you want me to say it? Oh, I'm yeah. on talking shit with Eagle. No, you got to throw the fucking out of there. It's oh, got to be. talking shit with Eagle. Yep, I'm fucking talking shit with Eagle. Yeah. I'm Spartan grown. I'm fucking talking shit with fucking Eagle Gardens 1. <laughs> there you go. I think it would be in time. This is coming because everybody that's came on, I've asked to do that at least once. And now I want eventually a little snippet, even if it's audio uh, for like maybe something in the future. I'd like to. Uh, I just had a great a bunch idea. of those together. Just had a great idea. Do that, snip it out those sections, and at the end of every year, you know, whenever your one year anniversary is, do a one year anniversary special where it's just all those snippets. <laughs> yeah, back, there back, you back, go. Back. I like it. I like it. Oh, fuck yeah! I just I everybody I get I've gotten to say it, and I want to ask your opinion about that too. Is uh, what do you think about the title? I like the people usually smile. 